Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Deck maintenance isn't fun. Move the furniture and barbecue, sand and prep, paint, seal, or get a low-maintenance Trex deck. The only color fade you'll have to deal with is watching the sunset. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Palmerbet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight-up screamer! Download our app today and enjoy straight-up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same-game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. This is Mornings with Ian Smith. Tuesday morning, day two of the first test for us here at NZ Sport, SENZ Sport. Honestly, it's um, it feels like a cricket test heading into the second day. We got the first day nerves out of our system and then all of a sudden we hit it with purpose this morning and I think uh, at the moment sides are both even. Uh, so we're looking to make an advantage today. And, and today, uh, actually, I've got a really strong show for you folks, to be honest. First up, we're going to be talking to Ross Taylor, hero, of course, of that uh, World Test Championship victory. Uh, fantastic there. Uh, we'll get his thoughts on, on what that meant to him. Uh, Graham Shaw is the coach of the Women's Black Sticks. Uh, currently, they are in Tokyo. So uh, we uh, had to get a, a pre-record with Graham the other day just before they left. So very interesting on his thoughts about what's coming up. Uh, we're going to talk to uh, Rob Waddell later in the show as well. He is, uh, of course, our chef de mission uh, in Tokyo at the moment. So we've got so much to talk about there. It, it is, uh, without doubt, the biggest issue, not just in sport in the world, uh, in terms of whether it should happen or not. Rob Waddell with his thoughts going ahead. Sport is our religion. And here is Smithy Sermon. Well, Ross Taylor. Ross Taylor, folks. He is a New Zealand sporting icon. It's a term thrown around quite loosely at times, but but not in this case. Thus far has has been an incredible journey from where he started to his point in the road today. His love of cricket and his desire to reach his peak have been his motivation and his drive. His trusty gun and more has been his mode of transport. Ross Taylor has played more matches across the board than any other New Zealand cricketer and scored more runs. Astonishingly, he's the only player in the history of the game, and that's long and substantial, to play 100 matches in all three international forms. Cricket is about stats and records. I'm not. Leave that to wisdom and crick info. That's their gig. But anyway you look at them, Ross Taylor's numbers are a great read. The 1st of March this year was his 15th anniversary of proudly wearing the black cap. His number is 144. Now that's a long shift in anyone's terms. Twice falling at the last hurdle of world glory. It was really fitting he hit the winning runs along with his phenomenally successful captain, Kane Williamson, to seal the World Test Championship, surely New Zealand's greatest ever achievement in cricket. The most professional, polished, dominating performance. They were never, for me, 
in doubt of not winning that match. Interestingly enough though, almost as soon as the celebration started and the glory basking began, a school of thought started to surface that this was the time for the veteran Ross Taylor to bid farewell. How can he possibly go out on a better note? Uh, that's one school of thought, folks, but it's not mine. Ross Taylor has more to offer, more fine innings to compile, more experience to share with his teammates. He deserves another ride around the block here in New Zealand. Not out of sentiment, but out of pure merit for his place in the side. Cricket fans would love it. The team still needs it. It's not time to call time. that one away and how appropriate that Ross Taylor and Kane Williamson are there for this moment for this team it's a story that's akin to David versus Goliath but Kane Williamson and his team are now world test champions and living proof that sometimes just sometimes nice guys do finish first Nice guys, that uh, includes Simon Dole actually, wonderful words there when New Zealand uh, managed to secure that victory, so it's appropriate that a, a Kiwi got to call a Kiwi performance. Ross Taylor, good morning to you. Morning, Smitty, how are you? Oh, look, I'm just fantastic, mate. New job, new challenge, but uh, life goes on. And uh, honestly, I think uh, even as a veteran, I was able to, to bask myself in the glory of that uh, World Test Championship achievement. Where does it rate for you? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely um, the highlight of my career. Um, as you said before, um, to come so close um, in 2015 and, and then well, even closer in 2019, uh, to finally get a, get across the line. I never thought I'd be able to play in a World Cup final again. So to, to finally win it and, and to, uh, yeah, I mean, not only for the, the players and, and all the fans, but, um, you know, players like yourself and, and all the ones that have come before, um, you know, it's nice to, to finally get across the line. I look at that test match. I look at the conditions. The rain was around. Uh, you know, the pitch would never appear to be dry. Uh, there was there was a school, big school of thought around that, you know, you are running out of time to win the game, but... I would imagine you knew the conditions pretty well and you know the game that well that uh, there was always a big chance of a result. Yeah, very much so. And I think uh, that reflected in the side that we chose, um, not going in with a spinner. Uh, it was probably a little bit of a surprise that they played two spinners themselves. Um, but we knew we needed early wickets on that sixth day. Um, and I think it just shows you how close that game was. I mean, um, the two wickets of Pajara and Coley early on gave us that sniff that we, we needed and, and wanted. Um, but we were still probably, um, we're probably still only 10 overs away, that, that catch of Henry Nichols. Uh, to get punt, I think um, you know if he batted another ten overs, would have probably could have been uh, the difference between it being a draw or even a little bit touchier on our end. Even when you're chasing, uh, you know you're two down pretty cheaply, and in the balance of the game and the, and the pattern of the game was that you know you could lose wickets and things could happen very quickly. When you got together uh, with Kane, what was what were you talking talking about? What was your theory looking at that target on the board? Well, within reason, the only the only chance we gave them if we, we lost wickets so um, we knew regardless of where the run rate was um, 
you know, even if it got up to five or six, that we'd back ourselves. But, um, you know, Ashwin didn't give us anything. I think it took me 20-odd balls to get off the mark. Um, and, yeah, you start to wonder whether this is ever going to happen and, and whether you're ever going to get off the mark. So just reassuring that we were doing the right thing. And, and Kane's always been a pleasure to bat with. And, um, you know, just to get off the mark and then just get it down to, to double figures and, um, you know, get it down to 80, just those small little goals to to make the, the total look a little bit smaller than what. When you get down to 20, say 30, I mean, you're still, I mean, you're a sportsman. You've still got elements of doubt and you're, and you're a New Zealand cricketer as well and we've fallen at a few hurdles uh, when, when it's been looking pretty good. You get down to 20 or 30, you start thinking to yourself, well, yeah, you know, we're a big chance here and, and all of a sudden reality is starting to, you're, you're seeing it in front of you? Yeah, I think um, it probably wasn't until we got to about 12, 12 runs that I thought, you know, Wow, we've got we've got this. Um, so, you know, right up until right up until then, you're sort of just trying to keep it. I don't really look at the scoreboard that much, but um, Kane started playing a few shots towards the end there, um, and you know, every boundary, every single, um, you could hear the the New Zealand crowd. Um, you know, there's obviously a lot more Indian supporters, but they were very vocal and and made our job uh, a lot easier. And um, yeah, so it's about ten. Twelve or ten runs was probably the the time that we thought you know we not had it in the bag, but we we're pretty comfortable from that situation. So you whip it over square leg, and that's it. We're world champions. Uh, tell us uh, what you felt at that moment, and what you and Kane talked. Oh, there's so many photos of you and Kane embracing and walking off. What were you talking about, and, and what were your feelings? Yeah, so we. Um, I think the ball before I hit the winning runs, I left it and. I gave the same look to Tom Latham the game before, like hurry up and finish it. I don't want to face any balls. And that's the look that I felt like Kane gave to me. So I thought I'd better um, at least attempt to. Um, just happened to be on my legs and um, appropriate throughout my career. The leg side's been good and bad to me. So it was nice to hit the ball for for four. And I think it was almost relief more, more than anything. Um, you know, if you go through all the World Cup winning moments over the, the last... 10, 15 years, that's probably the more <laughs> subdued um, celebration of, of the lot, but um, no, I mean, we sort of uh, that's probably as much emotion as you see from Kane, um, and we just sort of talked to each other saying you know, we're champions and we've done it, it was um, it was surreal, but uh, yeah it was it was a strange strange moment in the fact that it was probably more relief uh, that we got across the line and, and the, you know the, the celebrations didn't really start kicking in until we saw our teammates and, and things walking on the field 12 past 9 here on SENZ Sport we are talking to uh, Ross Taylor of course uh, champion New Zealand cricketer and uh, he, he who hit the winning runs when we became the world test champions uh, a lot of people say where does world test championship rate alongside the more high profile white ball games you know the 50 over one uh, the T21 where does it sit for you? It's a it's a question that got asked a lot before the World Cup. Um, I think uh, you know Test cricket. I think is still the pinnacle for for every every player. Um, and the One Day World Cup um, is probably the highest of the World Cups until the Test turn, uh, turned up um, every four years. Test championship. I think the real you know. I think over the over the next 10, 20 years will be the real test of where the Test Championship is. Um, you know, I'm sure those first few years of the one one day World Cup Test cricket was still the pinnacle. Where I think in years to come will will be more 
you know where where this really really sits, and hopefully, you know, the Test Championship is still the pinnacle uh, in twenty years' time. Ross, uh, you know, it's clear that you're closer to the end than the beginning. But what's been your driving factor throughout this this career of yours? Um, oh, I mean, I, I just love playing the game of cricket. Um, right from the, when I started playing at five years old, um, you know, I, I love playing, you know, any sport. Um, pretty competitive person. Um, but no, I mean, I love playing for New Zealand. I love playing for Central Districts. Um, and all the past players and um, that you talk to who have retired, you know, if there's one message that they continually tell me is you're a long time retired, so play as long as possible. And I think that's the message that a lot of them are reiterated with me um, since I've got home and, and even after the final. So um, as long as I'm still enjoying my cricket, still want to get better and, and still deserve my spot on the team, uh, you know, hopefully I can play for a few more years. Well, Ross Taylor is also not just about cricket. Ross Taylor is about a good base and you've certainly got that. Uh, you're about family as well. Yeah, I mean, uh, no, the family have been fantastic, um, you know, to keep you grounded, um, you know, as a kid growing up and, and whatnot, and then having my own family. Um, you know, it's become tougher as, as I've got older to, to travel and, and things, but the game of cricket's been fantastic to me, and, and I've seen a lot of sites around the world and, and even in New Zealand that um, if it wasn't for the game of cricket, um, you know, they wouldn't have been able to experience any of that. It's been a few years since uh, your great mentor, Martin Crow passed away. Uh, I know that um, you were so close and it was quite an emotional time for you. What do you recollect of, of the last kind of things that he was saying to you about your career going forward? Because you've achieved so much in that time that he has been gone. Yeah, I mean, he, he definitely would have been very proud of myself and the team. Uh, what they achieved uh, in the UK, um, that is for sure. But um, no, I think before he passed away, um, you know, a few messages um, and whatnot. But he, he said, you know, I've given you all you need. Um, you don't you don't need any more advice. Just go out and, and do what I've I've taught you and what you've learned over the years. And um, you know, even before that final, the old man um, said, you know, just think of what what Hogan would have said to you. Um, and you know, those type of words would um, resonate with you at different times. So, no, definitely, um, uh, you know, he would have been proud. But, um, you know, those are the, the messages he sent, um, in the, you know, in this final final few months. Ross, it wasn't that long ago, um, you know, people started to say, uh, what are your goals going forward? And, and, and you sort of intimated that you'd quite like to play in the next 50-over World Cup final. That's, that's quite a long time away. Have you readjusted your sights on that? Um, yeah, I think, um, you know, that was sort of uh, a goal... After losing the, the final, I thought um, you know it'd be nice to get another opportunity to get to um, that World Cup. I think a lot has changed since then in terms of COVID, um, and you know the, just jumping on a plane and playing cricket these days. It's all about bubbles and um, quarantines when you get back into the country. So you know that's put a spanner in the works, not only for myself but a lot of players. So um, yeah, I think it's it's probably more a six to twelve months out more so than. You know, looking at that World Cup, I think we've got quite a busy schedule um, coming up. But, you know, I, I think New Zealand's probably going to send a lot of players because, you know, bubble life and, and quarantining in these countries is, is not as easy. Um, you know, not only for, for your body and, and getting yourself ready, but for your mental space as well. So what I glean from that, Ross, is you have, uh, you know, you've had some time in quarantine. You, you've had some time to talk to, to Victoria and those people around you that matter the most. Uh, you are going to play cricket for New Zealand 
going forward, or you know, body wise, and and you know, you're available to play for New Zealand in the forthcoming season. Yeah, hundred percent. I'm making myself available. As I said, World Cup and all that, um, and past the New Zealand summer, I I can't. Um, it's probably too far out, but uh, no, um, I still feel like I've got something to offer this team, both on and off the field, and and hopefully can just you know get through this summer. Uh, and our, you know, obviously our winter, and um, and then reassess from there. I can't think of a better way to end the interview. I, I really, I simply can't. I mean, that's the news I wanted to hear. I, I imagine that's the news your teammates wanted to hear. I, the vast majority of New Zealanders, even though there was a school of thought to say you couldn't finish on a higher note than hitting the winning runs in the World Test Championship final, I'm so pleased to hear that uh, you've got goals ahead of you, and uh, New Zealand cricket fans are going to get a chance to see Ross Taylor in person in the forthcoming summer. Hey, enjoy the time leading up to that. Um, it's good family time. I suppose you've got fatherly duties to perform even today, so we'll let you get away and do that. Hey, thanks for making your time available to us this morning. Thanks, Roscoe. Awesome. Thanks, mate. Cheers, man. It's uh, 9.19 here on WENZ. Just... Sorry, SNZ. I'm just blown away by the news. SNZ Sport. What am I saying? SNZ Sport. Thanks, John. Uh, you're going to be doing a lot of that because that's the old man syndrome kicking in. Uh, I, I just, I'm so happy. You know, it just blew me uh, for a second ago because I was a little bit worried he might say no. I was a little bit worried he might say, what do you say? What do you think at home? What, what is your opinion at home? 0800 150 811. 0800 150 811. You can call in. Uh, I'd love to hear from you. I really would. It's day two now. Don't be nervous. Uh, and the text number is 8833. 8833. If you can't call, text us with your opinion. We'll read them out. Put your name to them. We will read them out. Uh, and we would li- like to get the, the groundswell of opinion on that news. Ross Taylor is still one of us on the field, folks. If it's happening in New Zealand sport, you'll hear about it on SENZ. It's Kiwi for Sport. Is a new team in town. He's the voice of sport in New Zealand. Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Every now and then something gets past them. It's SENZ Sport that I'm working for. SENZ Sport. And uh, it's Tuesday morning here. Time is uh, 9.25. We're getting texts in uh, about that Ross Taylor interview. How about this, Ross Taylor? You are just not a cricket legend, but one of the best human beings you will ever meet. That's from Steve. Uh, hey, Smithy. Thank uh, Roscoe has had a decent run now. And like you said, very fitting to hit the winning runs. Time to give the young blood a go. Hate to think that uh, having opportunities for younger players are missing out well it's the other side of the ledger so we take all your texts I, I personally I disagree with that one H uh, it sends bloody sensational and that's a play on the SENZ tag sends bloody sensational um, and that's from Mike Ranson love Roscoe hell yeah keep on keeping on Roscoe that's from Andre it's just a, a, a groundswell of opinion really but it's divided uh, we've got a caller on the line too Scott you're on the line now what's your opinion on Ross Taylor moving on well, good morning, Ian, and, and thank you to SENZ for, for bringing back sport and, um, and making New Zealand happy again. I've got to tell you, mate, I've been dying for this, and it's bloody fantastic, and thank you for getting on board with it as well. Now, my thoughts around Ross Taylor are I'm ecstatic that he's coming back because now I get to, to take my son, who's uh, now eight and nine, nine with this summer coming up, to a game where hopefully Roscoe will be playing at, uh, in Hamilton or something like that, and he gets to watch one of the greatest players to ever play the game. Uh, I was worried 
that that may not be a situation that my son would be able to do. Uh, so that is exciting. But also, I am excited about the future of New Zealand cricket, and I believe having someone like a Roscoe around, teaching the guys like Will Young, who I believe is his incumbent, um, will will be you know getting that extra bit of knowledge and time in the saddle and watching a guy like Ross Taylor. I know they play CD cricket together, but in the New Zealand environment, working together, understanding that role of number four, and uh, I believe that. Um, yeah, Will Young will be that guy going forward for, for New Zealand. I think he's a fantastic choice to take on you now, and he's shown that he can do the job at either opening or at that number four spot for New Zealand in Test cricket, as we saw in the English Test over over in England. So, uh, yeah, pretty excited about it, Ian, and pretty excited about Sport Radio back too. Hey, Scott, uh, to be honest, though, you're taking your kids along to watch a very good New Zealand cricket team. Ross Taylor is part of that cricket team. This is a wonderful time for kids to get interested in the game, isn't it? Oh, fantastic. My son is just, you know, and it's really great because I've had a massive passion for the game. I'm involved with the game and and really enjoy it. And I never pushed my kids uh, to pick a sport and as such, but they've migrated towards the cricket, which is great. He never migrated towards basketball, which is another story. But anyway, um, but uh, yeah, he loves the game. And I mean, what a what a time, what a what a age to be part of the cricket. I mean, we were there watching you, Ian, um, with the New Zealand team in the 80s. And that was amazing. And then we went through the young gun period and things like that. And it was a bit sometimes it was a little bit hard to watch but it was still beautiful cricket which is the game we love and now to see us triumph uh, you know on the world stage is, uh, is a testament to how the people have run the game over over a few number of years with Baz and, and also administrative wise you know and changing the way we look at the game and how it's done brilliant very much uh, for your call. I really do appreciate uh, folks calling in uh, 0800 150 We're Johnny on the line as well. Johnny, your thoughts? Oh, mate, um, love the station and, and love the show. You're, you're off to a flyer, Smitty. Um, the, uh, I love that interview. That was just brilliant. And I think we've got to be thankful uh, to the past New Zealand cricketers who, the ones who are retired, are reminding them that it's a long time retired. So... I reckon he's definitely got a few years in him, and as you said, he's got goals and he can help um, you know, players coming through. And um, he's going to come here, and it was just a beautiful interview. So well played. Thanks very much. The thing I look at, um, Johnny, when you look at a player, I think you get the telltale signs. But uh, you take that World Test Championship out of the equation, right? Because that was a special occasion, and he did the business for us, hitting the winning runs. But that was a vital partnership with Kane Williamson, and how many have they had over the years? Uh, the Test match prior to that, he scored 80 against England at each Baston. So that's not, for me, yeah. the, uh, the, the, the sign of a withering flower, really. That, that's not a bloke that's uh, ready to, to toss on the towel. I couldn't agree more, and they were really nice words about Martin Crow. I didn't, um, maybe naive, but I didn't know that him and uh, Hogan were so close. And um, yeah, what a what a moment for him to do that um, with uh, with support and I suppose some of the reflection at the same time. Johnny, really appreciate your call. Uh, thanks for for calling in, uh, and folks, it's worth your while if you do, because the core of the month will win will win a trip for two to the Bledisloe Cup in Perth. Return flights, two nights accommodation, with breakfast included, the pre-game function, uh, match tickets in the reserved seating area. So you'll be well looked after. Um, you're simply part of that by calling 0800 150 811. And we thank Ballpark Interna- Entertainment for getting on board with us in that. After the break, uh, we've got Graham Shaw. Graham Shaw is the coach of the New Zealand women's hockey team, the Black Sticks, currently getting ready in Tokyo. Here's the news with Trudy. The all-new SNZ. It's Kiwi for sport. 
SNZ News this hour. Violent behaviour aimed at police is ramping up. New Zealand Commissioner Andrew Costa told RNZ that while policing has always been dangerous, assaults on cops has been on an increasing curve. Recent video taken from a service station shows a West Auckland police officer on the ground as a 19-year-old repeatedly punches him about the head. Mental health issues and drugs are two areas that are standing out as driving factors. The US and its allies have accused China of a global cyber espionage campaign, mustering an unusually broad coalition of countries, including us, to publicly call out Beijing for hacking. The US was joined by NATO, the EU, Britain, Australia, Japan, Canada and New Zealand in condemning the spying, which Secretary of State Antony Blinken says poses a major threat to economic and national security. SCNZradio.nz Sport coming up. The SCNZ app. Download it today and never miss a moment of your favourite show. Streaming live anywhere, anytime. The stars have fallen out of the ANZ Premiership playoffs after a 46-45 loss to the Steel last night in Auckland. And American golf star Colin Morikawa is up to number three in world rankings after his win at the Open Championship. And for the first time ever, a ballot for tickets will be held for the 150th Open to be held at St Andrews in 2022. Penrite Oil has a premium range of lubricants powering anyone from racing drivers to everyday Kiwis for over 30 years. Showers clear away for the North Island, so fine weather for the rest of our Tuesday. Mainly fine too for the South Island, just isolated showers around Hokitika and Fiordland. And today from four, Drive with Beaver, Stephen Donald on SNZ. Tuesday morning here on SENZ Sport. You're a new team in town, and thanks very much for being part of it. And just by texting, you're part of our team. Don't you worry about that. And the texts have been rolling in this emotive subject about Ross Taylor. He genuinely, I I mentioned in my little spiel that I thought he was a New Zealand sporting icon. Your texts and your support for Ross Taylor uh, absolutely reflect that, folks. And obviously, of course, you can call in as well. We'll keep giving you the number for that. More chances throughout the morning to be part of it in that regard. Uh, Look, it's a sensational time to be involved in sport. And that includes the Olympics. And uh, it's time to talk hockey now. And the women's black sticks have finished fourth at the last two Olympics. This time they're desperately keen to get onto the dais. It's been a limited build-up for Coach Graham Shaw, who joins us now. But Graham, you did manage to get some game time in against our trans-Tasman neighbours in Perth recently. How's the team stacking up ahead of the games? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of areas where we're happy with. Um, Australia are a top side themselves and, and, and will be putting their hands up for a medal themselves. So um, we put in you know, two pretty solid performances. Um, probably a lot happier in the first game coming out with the, with the win and the shootout. Um, a little bit more disappointing in the second game, even though we did create a lot of opportunities, did score a deflated goal near the end of the game. Um, you know, a little bit disappointed with the second game, but there's definitely areas of our play that we're very happy at. Uh, we're happy where we're sitting. Uh, we know we're going to have to bring that kind of strength element um, uh, to each game we play in Tokyo. But there's also a few areas that we want to tidy up on. We've been working hard 
whether it's through video, uh, any kind of scouting work or any, any work we get to do on the field. We've been working hard on areas we need to improve in order for us to be successful in Tokyo. So um, we're tracking well considering the, the build-up that we've had and um, as I said, just, just looking forward to getting going now. How much scouting are you able to do? Because I'd imagine a lot of the other sides aren't playing a heck of a lot that you can get too much information from. Yeah, it's been a bit of a challenge. Um, some teams we, you know, we've had the opportunity to scout a little bit better. Some, some not so whatsoever. So, um, yeah, Spain obviously played in the European Championships in in June. So we got a got a, a big look at Spain. They ended up in the quarter or the. Uh, semi-final and then third and fourth playoff against Belgium. So that's the team that we're able to get a get a look at. Um, China and Japan are very limited in the games we've seen. I think um, you know out there they've only really probably played four games in the last year and a half that that publicly people were able to view. So a bit of a challenge in around scouting them. And then obviously Argentina is a team we know well and Australia is a team we know well. So yeah, definitely pro- um, proven to be a bit problematic in and around trying to scout these teams, but. Um, but we'll we'll do what we have and, and, and focus really hard on ourselves and making sure we're bringing our strengths to each game. Lost Kayla Whitelock. That was a big blow in terms of experience. Uh, a household name in New Zealand women's hockey. Yeah, I mean, Kayla's uh, obviously a huge player both on and off the field with, with multiple Olympic games behind her and a yeah, massive loss at the time and, and, um, when we played them down and played Australia down in Parmesan North. Um, so we've had to kind of reshape the team a little bit and bring a few personnel back into the defensive line. But um, but that happens. That happens in every build-up to every major competition. You pick up injuries. And while it's very difficult to replace a player, a person and a player like Kayla Whitelock, um, you know, we're going to focus on obviously the players that we have. And and we, we feel we've got a very strong side that they compete against any team in the world. So... Um, yeah, we're just uh, looking forward to this first game now. So you've had uh, six games recently against Australia at an elongated stay in Perth. Before that, because of COVID, you've only been able to play four games in the 15 months prior to that. All of a sudden, I'm looking at your schedule, Graham. You hit Tokyo and you have got five games in seven days in pretty warm conditions. How do you get ready for that workload? Yeah, it's very difficult, um, considering we haven't played really tournament hockey in such a long period of time, and I think that's that's probably um, the, probably the concern in around the the heat as well. Is uh, you got a lot of European sides here that that will be going in probably favourites for medals with a lot of European um, because of the way European hockey is um, structured around the year. They do get a lot of tournament experience, and, and, and up until recently, they got a tournament experience in the European Championships. So. Yeah, that's going to be a challenge, but we've been training hard for that. Uh, we we uh, structure our year uh, in around our load management and making sure that we're physically and mentally ready to play seven games or, um, or eight games in, in 11, 12 days, or as you say, the pool games, five games in seven days. So we've been structuring the year all, all, all year for that and training um, five, six days a week and making sure that we're ready, as I said, physically and mentally. So um, that's hopefully it's not going to be a concern. It's the same for every team. Um, and we just got to make sure that we're getting our heat strategies and our recovery strategies right in between games to make sure we're recovered well and in preparation for the next game. So, um, 
yeah, looking forward to it as I said, and um, it's not going to be different for any, for any other team. I'm just looking at the seedings of, of uh, your pool matches. Uh, you start with Argentina at three. Uh, Australia's second last game on the 30th of July. Uh, they're seeded two uh, at the moment. Uh, the other three sides, Japan, Spain and China, are seeded outside of New Zealand. Uh, I just wonder when I, you know, I, I look at these seedings and, and because of the lack of play around the world, whether they are just numbers and whether you know uh, everyone going in here, I won't say on a level playing field because uh, obviously other sides have been better performed in history but I just wonder whether they're that relevant this time around I would say this this Olympic Games was um, definitely going to give an opportunity to, to anybody really in, in the game so I think um, as you've said I think anyone on their on their day uh, can push anybody and with the lack of preparation um, the lack of games being played in the, in, the, in the calendar year I think any team would fancy their chances so um, there's no targeting any games or taking any games for granted I think you're going to have to perform the Olympic Games the top 12 teams in the world you're going to have to perform to your level every single game in order to make that quarter final and then it's obviously knockout stages from then on so um, we'll take every game as it comes we're not going to get too far ahead of ourselves starting to focus on the on the third and fourth game we'll just take every game as it comes make sure we recover well take the learnings and uh, and try to bring our strengths to every single game we play and I know if we do that we'd be a, we'd be a big threat to everyone in the world so um, yeah exciting it's exciting alright uh, thanks very much uh, Sunday 3.15pm is the women's black sticks first pool game against Argentina uh, thanks to uh, Graham Shaw for making himself available to us here on SEN Sport it's 9.39 here on uh, Tuesday morning uh, listen folks uh, call in 0800 150 811 that's the number and uh, give us uh, maybe an answer to one of these two questions one Ross Taylor are you happy really really happy that Ross Taylor has decided to uh, to play on for New Zealand or let's uh, go to the Olympics we've just been talking about the Olympics should they be on simple as that should they be on it's a moral question as opposed to a sporting one back shortly from behind the stumps to behind the mic you're in safe hands it's mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ 9.45 here, folks. Yes, it's SCNZ, the new team in town, and joining the team online is Bruce. Good morning to you, sir. Smitty, uh, it's a pleasure. Fantastic to have you on, on, on the show, mate, and it's going great. And uh, as I said to the boys yesterday, you're probably um, saving a few marriages and um, <laughs> uh, cutting back a few therapists and putting them to the moment with this. It's, if I can save your marriage, uh, I'm a happy man, <laughs> I think. I think. Uh, Roscoe, is that on your mind this morning? Yeah, absolutely. Um, look, Roscoe, he's, probably, he's had a few demons in the past and he's had to face them and, you know, when him and his mentor changed his game to cut down the shots, you know, to, to help his, his batting and so on, and then he had his eye operation. He's never looked back. He, um, and as long as you've got the body, the mind, the drive, um, the passion there, there's absolutely no reason why you can't keep going. You know, you look at oh, Alan Border. He, how, how old was he? 39, 40. Um, Richard Hadley. Lara Chendolka. Richard Hadley. Yeah, Richard Hadley, as, that's right. As a bowler. Unbelievable. He just kept on running in because he knew once he stopped, that would be it. Well, that, that's right, and it's a long way to fall. And when your life is um, 
you know, revolves around that in the team. And and, that, and that's the other thing. He's probably inside, he's probably thinking, hey, I'm, I'm part of an incredibly special team of guys here and a, and a cycle in history in New Zealand cricket. And I don't want to jump off the bus. I, I'm going to keep going here because we're probably going to achieve, you know, maybe, maybe another title next year. Maybe we can get the T20 world title. That's that's a year and a bit away. And, well, it's not that um, far away, actually. It's it's only a matter of months. Uh, they're talking about it being in sorry. Dubai, so the, the T20. Ross, unfortunately, oh, so prob- he probably won't be part of the T20 look at the moment. That's uh, not the way the selectors yeah. are thinking. So he won't be uh, yeah. at this stage part of that. But there's still plenty for him uh, to focus on. And uh, Bruce, uh, to be perfectly but, honest. And, and, you know, but it, cricket... Yep. Cricket's that, that real individual... It's a rare commodity because you're part of a team, but you also, it's a very lonely place and you, you have to motivate yourself to perform. So it's sort of a conundrum. And while his hands are still good and he can catch in the slips and his eyes are good, um, I don't know around the world if there's, if you look at the bowlers and all that, I don't know if it's, as scary places maybe when you play cricket. Well, West Indies, <laughs> West Indies aren't quite the same these days. That was genuinely scary. Uh, look, I echo all of your thoughts, Bruce, and I thank you so much uh, for calling in this morning. Zaid on the line. Now, what a cool name, Zaid. Thanks for joining us. Um, yeah, uh, good morning. Um, one thing I'd me- like to mention before I get into my topics about the Olympics and cricket. Um, so I-, I used to listen to radio sport a lot, and I've um, I stumbled through your interview not too long ago with um, how Mark Howie was pretty good interview actually. Oh, Howie Games, yep, yep, yep. Yeah, How- Howie Games, Ian Smith um, during lockdown. So that was a pretty good relief. But how good is it to have sport back on the air- airways, man? Well, I think it's good. I really do. Uh, you know, I'm I'm on this side of the mic, but I'm a sporting person like you, Zaid, and so many New Zealanders. I, I think there's been a gaping hole. Uh, we're doing our best to fill it, and uh, you know, the, the feedback and and from the likes of uh, of yourself and other people has been uh, 100% positive. So, it's new for us. We're going to march on at a, at a good rate. There's so much to talk about. Um, Olympics, mate. Uh, yay or nay for you? Um. For me, right, uh, the thing is I'm thinking about the Olympics is just like, isn't Olympics made for fans? Like, you know, they're not going to be able to have a, they're not going to have a buffet. And did I hear that when they get their medals, they, they won't be hugged or handshaked or anything? Yeah, they're going to present their own medals or go and get them basically off a dais themselves. But, you know, that's just the life we yeah. live in. Um, that's not to say uh, that it's going to affect their participation. It's just the little things around the outside that we'll notice will be different. And about and about Ross Taylor, man, what, I just just what a beast he is. You know, like people were giving him hate so many years ago. Oh no, he's not a captain. He shouldn't be in the team. Look at him; he's still going. He nearly got 300, 300 runs in Australia and got mm. all those KFC vouchers that he never used. <laughs> Who's to say he didn't use them? Zade, thanks very much for your call, mate. I, I really do yeah, appreciate it. Hoggy, good morning to you. Hey, Smelly. Yeah, I just following up my my message just before about Ross Taylor. Yeah. Hey. Um, Look, what he's done is, is exceptional. There's not many other cricketers in the world who will probably reach the feats he has. But yeah. in my opinion, now I'm going to play devil's advocate a little bit here. He, he is 37, and um, you made mention that uh, Will Young would be his um, replacement, or so much for like for like for you know whatever. Probably not as going to get to the heights of Ross Taylor, but you know, we, we must remember that Will Young is 28 years old himself, and he's only played three Test matches. Mm-hmm. So 
I'd hate to, hate to feel that um, Ross would potentially be making the wrong decision by continuing on and, and not allowing these players to come through because I think it's really important that um, some of these boys in the background actually get a, a fair crack of the whip it in some ways. Yeah, look, um, I, I, I totally agree. And, and, you know, like every debate, every discussion, there's, there's uh, one side and, and there's another side, and, and I appreciate you. And there is. You're not alone. I promise you that. You are absolutely not alone. And I, I totally believe that Will Young is, is more than capable of, of taking uh, that position. I, I just think that if you're not doing your job of work, and it is a job of work, you've got to look at it from that point of view as well. If you're not performing and you're not doing your job of, of work um, to the level like yourself or the other people in, in your industry want, then it's time. Do you think Ross is, is, is not doing that? Oh, he's gone. Sorry, Hoggy. Sorry. Um, he's gone. So he made his point, and that's uh, fantastic. Uh, like multi-time, absolute multi-time. We've got a couple of, couple of gripes, uh, you know, a bit of feedback um, on why I took the Yankees. Hello, 9-1. You guys, where's your where's your where's your message of, of apology? Haven't heard that yet. And you too, the stars. You let me down on day one. Back shortly. Superman. Nothing gets past Smithy. This is mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. You got to know when to hold it. Know when to fold it. Smithy's multi. Know when to walk away. And know when to run. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Uh, Kenny Rogers, one of my favourite. Stars aren't my favourites this morning. Let me down. Absolutely let me down. 69% shooting in a game of netball and you lose by one goal. Cost me money. Cost my fans money. Not that I've got any fans. Ah, uh, look, uh, that, was, that was point one. Point two, Facebook yesterday... How can you back the Yankees? Don't you know they're full of COVID? They've got no chance against the Boston Red Sox. 9-1. Thanks very much, you experts. I haven't heard anything, haven't seen anything in terms of an apology. I'll give you another chance today. Here's Smithy's multi for the day. Going back to baseball. Don't doubt me on this. The Dodgers, Tony Gonsolin on the mound. $1.73. They will beat the Giants today. Don't you worry about that. India. Versus Sri Lanka, cricket later tonight. In the first 15 overs, India will score more runs than Sri Lanka will. That's at $1.59. Some people said two-prong multi. Have some, have some kahunas. Put three in, so I will today. Here we go. Michael Imar, tennis this is. Tennis, Swiss Open, $1.62 to beat Feliciano Lopez. That will return you $4.45. Absolutely fantastic. So, folks, let's, I'm a gambler, you know that. But you've got to bet and do it responsibly. That's, I think, your main responsibility. TAB.co.nz, I think, uh, is the the, uh, the website to get all the information from on that. And in fact, it is. Uh, yeah, but please gamble responsibly. If my dad had told me that, I wouldn't be working for this radio station. I'd probably own it. Uh, um, uh, just moving along. Uh, after the break, after 10 o'clock, we are going to start on a subject which I think could split the nation, and that is the Laurel Hubbard issue. We're going to get in-depth and be educated. Uh, you know, we're going to talk to a professor out of University of Waikato, an expert on the subject. Over the next two or three days, we're going to bring in people so we're all better educated to make our decision on Laurel Hubbard. Yes or no? I think we'll know at the end of the next three or four days, and then she'll compete. And what will happen after that? 
Who knows? Feeling around the world has been, I think, quite strong, it's fair to say. Busy first hour is just about up. It's time for the news and a balanced Trudy. CNZ is Kiwi for Sport. It's 10 o'clock, I'm Trudy Nelson with SENZ News. The largest ever shipment of the Pfizer vaccine has arrived here ahead of schedule. 370,000 doses are being dispatched around our vaccination centres today. And the pause of our travel bubble with Victoria has been called a necessity. With case numbers rising there, this will be reviewed tomorrow. A woman in her 50s has become the youngest COVID death victim in Australia since August. She's the fifth person to die in Sydney's current outbreak. And the Academy of American Pediatrics have come out this morning recommending masks at daycares and for anyone at schools. They recommend the age for masks, two. And concerns back home after a third ship has berthed at our ports with crew infected with COVID. Further testing will continue around a fishing boat in Bluff today, which has two of its 21 workers with the virus. Violent behaviour aimed at our girls and guys in blue is on an increasing curve, according to Police Commissioner Andrew Costa. He says mental health issues and drugs are the two areas that stand out as worrying factors. And on that note, Wellington Police's Operation Skipjack has just disrupted a billion dollars of GBL drug harm into our community. 20 parcels were intercepted by customs with links to the Netherlands, US, Spain and China. And so the pilot of a device which allows police to carry out on-the-spot drug screening is promised results. The Lumi drug scan allows officers to test and receive instant results to their iPhones. Lumi has ID'd meth, MDMA and cocaine in more than half of people at recent events across Auckland Central and Canterbury. Hamilton police are appealing for witnesses after a burglary at the base last night where a car was driven through an appliance shop window. Electronics and appliances were stolen before the offenders left the scene in three silver sedans. Police would like to hear from anyone with information. And four Chinese nationals have been arrested over a global hacking campaign aimed at dozens of companies, universities and government agencies in the US and abroad. SENZ Radio.NZ Sport coming up. The SENZ app. Download it today and never miss a moment of your favourite show. Streaming live anywhere, anytime. A dodgy night under the hoop for Stars captain Maya Wilson led to a 46-45 loss to the Steel who have now booked their place in the ANZ Netball Premiership playoffs. Wallabies wing Marika Korobeti is free to play again after World Rugby rescinded his red card overnight. He'll now be able to take the field in the Aussie AB's Bledisloe Cup opener at Eden Park August 7th. And as well as two South African footballers, an American gym- gymnast and tennis player, a Czech beach volleyball player is the latest Olympic athlete to test positive for COVID. And as numbers rise in Tokyo and opposition to the games goes ahead and grows, uh, to- Toyota has pulled all their sponsorship and ads for the Olympics. Penrite Oil has a premium range of lubricants powering anyone from racing drivers to everyday Kiwis for over 30 years. Showers clear away for the North Island, so fine weather for the rest of our Tuesday. Mainly fine too for the South Island, just isolated showers around Hokitika and Fiordland. And today from four, drive with Beaver, Stephen Donald on SENZ. 
day or night, summer or winter. He's the sound of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It's three minutes past ten here on SCNZ. Uh, very busy first hour, even busier second one. Uh, so uh, we've got this issue of Laurel Harbour. That's coming up very, very shortly. Uh, later in the hour, we're going to talk to a man who I regard as the guru, the guru of all knowledge in New Zealand sport and one of the great broadcasters in Brendan Telfer. We don't need anyone else on the panel. He is the panelist today. So looking forward to talking to Telf. Uh, and then to Dean McKenzie, uh, who's the uh, transitioning officer. That's, I think, his official title uh, for the TAB, getting TAB from where it was to where it is now. And uh, we'll talk to Dean about uh, how that's getting on and, and how it's coming about and the process that are involved. Good guy too, Dean McKenzie, really good guy. Uh, text feedback, time for that. Yeah, okay, Smithy, why are you taking the low-line favourites? Stars cost me also. Only uh, The only loss on a leg of 16, well, I feel for you, 16 leg multi. Uh, yes, yes, I am still down. Okay, 0 for 1. So don't worry about that. I'm working on it. Right, OK, let's get into a more serious subject. One of the most passionate issues, actually, that's dividing the nation at the moment around pubs, water coolers and coffee machines is the participation of Laurel Hubbard for New Zealand at the upcoming Olympics. There's been petitions, a protest to the New Zealand Embassy in London, for goodness sake. There's a lot of feeling about it. It's not a subject we can afford to ignore either, but it is a subject that we need to be more informed about before we can stop some of these rash opinions. So for that reason, I want to educate myself, and in that process, I think you can be educated as well. I'm going to talk to a number of people who are going to help me out in that regard. It's going to be very much a learning experience, and that's why I'm thrilled to welcome this morning Professor Holly Thorpe from Waikato University. Now, Holly is an absolute legend uh, in terms of this. She's an expert. She's uh, well-written. I think uh, after talking to Holly, we're going to be a lot better informed. So first of all, I'm going to start at square one, Holly. I just need to know, what is gender? Really, what is gender and what makes a person want to change their gender? For those who are transgender, often they're born into a body and identified as a sex that doesn't feel right to them. So at particular times in their lives, they, um, you know, maybe it's, um, you know, later in life, maybe it's in their teenage years, they they come to recognise that, that that's not the body or that's not the, the gender that they identify with. And so that's a really a difficult life. And I think it's really important to come at this with, with empathy and understanding. Um, that's a difficult thing to realise in a society that still does try to fit people into gendered boxes. Um, so for someone to go through that process, um, the process of transitioning, which is a long process and there's many different parts to it and it's different for everybody, um, we've got to re- realise that that's not just because they want to cheat in sport um, or they want to wear a, a pretty dress. This is because gender's been a very challenging and difficult thing in their lives. Um, so I think it's really, really important that when we come to this topic around Laurel and talking about transgender participation in sport more broadly, that we've really got to come at it with empathy because often this is people who, you know, we're talking about people who have had quite difficult lives and society's been a, a difficult place to navigate. Well, Laurel's, of course, participating in weightlifting and, and most of the arguments against that at the moment 
I'm not sure whether they're informed or not. We're still making up our mind, particularly as people in the street. But uh, strength, I mean, weightlifting, aside from the fact that there's technique, heavy lots of technique involved, you surely there's raw strength as well. And most people perceive that Laurel Hubbard has got an advantage in strength because she was once a male. Uh, does that does that sort of make sense to you? Uh, would, are people right in thinking that? Yeah, I can hear that argument, absolutely. And, and we're going to have to wait and see a little bit, aren't we, um, whether she medals or not. And, and right now she's ranked number seven, so that means there are six um, biologically female athletes lifting more than her. So um, is that an advantage or not? And obviously um, sports like weightlifting, particularly you know, when they're lifting heavy weights, it's a, very much a mental sport. Um, and the psychology of that is so critical. The mental side of it, as you, as you pointed out, must be huge for her. What, what she's going to need over there, I would imagine, because of that, uh, is support from her teammates. Absolutely, and I, I thought it was pretty cool when we had um, the announcement of Laurel on the team and the New Zealand Olympic Committee CEO, Karen Smith. You know, she, she really um, she made it very clear the New Zealand Olympic Committee and the team are committed to a strong culture of inclusion and respect for all. So she was really sort of, you know, putting out the lay of the land there that they are a team that respects diversity and... Um, I think that's actually showing some good leadership there and we've seen that, that same sort of sentiment coming from the Prime Minister and Sports Minister Grant Robertson and and as we know more broadly in society we've got it's a pretty polarizing argument but we you know there's some there is some good leadership happening in terms of trying to you know, it's a tricky moment, but it's also a teachable moment where we can have these conversations and people who don't know or they might be fearful or they might be really uncomfortable about this whole situation can actually sit and listen and, and, and learn and we can hopefully, you know, do better going forward. So we are largely uninformed about this. There's no doubt about it. And this is, I mean, if basically you talk to people, they go, really? No, surely not. You know, this can't be right. It just doesn't seem right to me because we are uneducated about the whole deal. Have you, have you been uh, surprised about the level of debate and the fact that it's gone as far as protests in London? Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? It's, it's so polarising and it's so emotive, but sport is. Sport, people are passionate about sport and sport is something that, you know, obviously um, you and me and everyone listening, we're passionate about sport. It's a really important part of our lives. But if we look at the history of sport, you know, it's been very much grounded in the, the gender binary, male and female, right? Two clear categories. And we like to separate that out as as kids become older, we separate them out. Um, and, and that's always sort of been the structure of most sports. But if we look across society more broadly, whether it's in schools or in workplaces, we, you know, there's a lot of work going on to try to recognise that gender doesn't actually work in that binary form for everybody. And we actually need to you know, rethink our structures, our infrastructure and our policies to actually be more inclusive of those who don't fit into those categories. But when we come to sport, we a lot of people feel very uncomfortable about moving away from a gender binary. And I, I kind of come back to that issue of if we tell athletes like Laurel um, and even those at the community level, transgender participation, if we say, no, you can't participate, 
in the category that you identify in, we're basically saying there's no place for you here. And that, that comes to a big issue around that we should all be thinking about, like, what is the role of sport in society? Should everyone have that right? It's a basic human right, um, according to the United Nations. So if we say, no, not there, then we're saying, actually, no, there's nowhere for you here. And is that really the role of sport in society? Uh, the, uh, the problem is, of course, it's the Olympics. It's not just like a, a local competition or whatever. And, and because <laughs> we only see the Olympics theoretically once every four years, not quite the case with COVID mm. around, but uh, this, yeah. is, this has been thrown into the limelight. So, you know, it's becoming a major issue. Can you explain uh, something to me and to the people at home? The Olympic level for testing is 10 nanomoles mm. of t- testosterone per one litre of blood. Uh, what, mm. what would the levels be for me? Oh, I don't know, actually. We hardly ever test men. <laughs> <laughs> really? Okay. Um, and, but, I, but I do know this is quite an interesting space because, you know, WADA, um, the World Anti-Doping Agency, they do a lot of that testing, um, you know, regarding doping, etc. and that's usually via um, urine samples. So testing blood samples is a little bit more complicated, and I'm not exactly sure about those processes i'm sure um i don't think it goes through water Mm -hmm. i think the international weightlifting federation manages that and they'll be um obviously following um protocol from the ioc etc so um yeah the whole testing processes are not my area of expertise but um yeah 10 nanomoles for it and they and they have to um so athletes like Laurel would need to test below that for at least 12 months prior, which she has. Yeah, well, that's the other thing we should uh, we should emphasise, the fact she's met all the requirements of uh, the Olympic exactly. Committee. Uh, you know, that's exactly. A, she's, not, no. she's not trying to cheat. She's not trying to cheat the system. She's just an athlete who wants to compete, and she's doing so within the rules. And what we're seeing is organisations like the IOC and I, like the International Weightlifting Federation, and we're seeing other international organisations trying to figure out their position on this. But, you know, we're actually trying to do um, the hard work um, to figure out how do we move forward with this. Um, and so we're actually seeing some leadership from some of these international organisations and saying... Um, you know, genders genders are more complicated than a binary. Just finally, uh, just right right off the top of your head right now, do you believe that Laurel Hubbard gets an advantage in a weightlifting competition? Oh no, I don't think so. I don't think I don't think testosterone's the only. Um, I mean, you could look at someone like Ian Thorpe, right? Yep, yep. Amazing swimmer. D- does he have an advantage because he ha- is tall and has incredibly long feet? Well, uh, obviously, I obviously did. I, I think there are physical attributes of athletes that enable them to swim faster, to jump higher. I mean, that is that is the nature of it, and that's the basis, I think, of this whole argument, is is there a physical advantage which has been done not naturally, I think, is the way, the best way to describe it. It's 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 sort of progressed from one form to another, and that's, I think, uh, Professor, that, that's one of the reasons we can't get our heads around it, because it's such a new <laughs> subject for us. <clears throat> it is. 
but you know what, we need to keep having the conversation even and when it makes us uncomfortable. And so I applaud you and your audience for having the conversation. And I just think, um, you know, the way we talk about it um, around the, the water cooler at work or the cafe or around the dinner table is, is really important. Yep. Um, you know, kids are hearing us. Um, uh, those out in the transgender community, they're hearing these conversations. So we do need to just really um, be really kind and compassionate in, in the language that we use because, um, you know, as a, it can really do some damage uh, to the health and well-being of our transgender athletes in yeah. the community more widely. And and you never know, you know. <laughs> um, uh, they're... They're they're part of our community, and we need to, um, you know, they're part of people's families. They're they're um, in our schools. They're in our communities. So the ways we're we're having these conversations, we just need to come, back, you know, keep keep um, that in mind and keep trying to be compassionate. Yep, and one of them is very proudly going to wear the silver fern very shortly for us on our behalf. So, hey, listen, Professor, uh, thank you so much for your time. It's been amazing. I asked for to be educated about it, and you really have done that for me, and I hope so for the people listening in this morning as well. So uh, we'll all uh, watch with bated breath how Laurel goes. I think there's still more debate to be had about the subject, um, but thank you in the meantime for, for, for making us better off about it. Thank you. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks so much. Yeah, interesting, isn't it? Uh, it's a subject that's not going to go away, particularly in the, the next two weeks or, or so. And uh, uh, one of the reasons that I've got Brendan Telfer on this morning is uh, you will not get a more forthright man with an opinion on sport. Uh, he is uh, coming up after the ads, but to be, to be fair, there's a lot of things for him to think about. I hope he's uh, going to be talking about Ross Taylor staying on with us and maybe there's a little debate about the red card system or even TJ Perinara v Ian Foster, which was uh, talked about on breakfast this morning actually from behind the stumps to behind the mic you're in safe hands it's mornings with ian smith on senz big talk big opinions the panel time is 10 22 here on senz and uh, boy we thought that there'd be reaction uh, as soon as we started this topic, and it's true. Take a uh, listen to a couple of these texts that have come through. Good on you for asking the natural question, Smithy. You could also drive a fleet of trucks through that pause before the answer to that question came. Uh, another one. This lady is so wrong. Ian Thorpe's physical advantages were natural. Laurels are not natural. That's a stupid example who shows her agenda. Uh, she is out of her mind saying Laurel Hubbard does not have an advantage over biological women. Uh, her hesitation suggested she wanted to say yes, but uh, she felt that she couldn't. Don't uh, be uh, frightened to put your names on your text either. either. Uh, you deserve uh, a little bit of a mention for taking the time to do that. 8833, by the way, is the text number for that. Right, uh, Brendan Telfer, uh, a man who I've got high regard for because he is a broadcasting legend, and legend is thrown around, around like icon, I guess, in a lot of particular areas. But I truly believe this man has because of the longevity and the time he has spent in all sports around the world, including many, many Olympic Games. Good morning, Telf. Good morning, committee. Nice to talk to you. And, and thanks very much for coming on, mate. Listen, uh, you've been part of a lot of emotive issues around uh, New Zealand sport from time to time. This uh, Laurel Hubbard uh, one is brewing. It's not going to go away. How do you feel about it? Where do you stand? 
Uh, well, I fully support her inclusion into the New Zealand team. Um, she's a woman. She's not a she's not a male anymore. Um, I remember an interview that I did a couple of years ago on another radio station. Obviously, wasn't this one uh, with an expert who, to my uh, unfortunate sort of fading memory, I can't remember the name of this person. But they pointed out to me when I asked this person, "Is it true that Laurel Hubbard, as a former male weightlifter, inevitably brings a lot of that experience and, and natural strength that he had as a weightlifter across to this new gender, and so therefore she has an advantage over the female weightlifter that she will compete against, for example, at the Olympic Games. And this expert said no, because what happens in the transition period, and of course I'm not an expert and I stand to be shot down here, but from memory he's explained to me the period of transition that a person goes through between being a, being a male to a female requires a lot of surgeries and medications which reduce a lot of the natural testosterone that the male had. So by the time the transition is completed, Laurel Hubbard, as a woman, doesn't have anything like the strength that she possessed and would have retained if she had stayed a male. But judging by some of the one or two ignorant uh, text messages that you already had, people are still banging on and harping on about the fact that she's got all of the strength because she was a male once upon a time, but she's lost all of that because she's gone through this extensive transition to her physiology and is now a female. What part of that do people not understand? Uh, and it's, I can tell you, and I'm really happy that you've put this side of it to us because the groundswell of opinion, I mean, I'm probably looking, if I look at a percentage, I'm probably saying 90% are anti, and it's, it's so emotive. Why is it emotive? Is it, it's a, is it the concept of, of you're actually participating in sport, or is it the concept of transsexual or transitioning? Yeah, I think it's it's a motive because of ignorance more than anything. I mean, the world is changing rapidly that we live in now, and sport can't be kind of averse to this. Um, it's a dynamic kind of environment we live in. Uh, years ago, when you were playing sport at the top level, it was virtually unheard of, I suppose, for uh, a sports person to change from one gender to the other. But now it's very common, and with medical science and, and medicine and the uh, ability to be able to change gender, which is relatively safe if it's in competent hands. Like, I just know of one family that's got a, a young, or was a young boy, uh, in his early years at college, and had always had an interest in kind of uh, girls' things, and a lot of girls' friends, and so decided to, to transition to a girl. And uh, this girl now is at college, and what is really the, the thing that warms my heart, according to her parents, is that all her friends at school have stayed with her. All of the people that she knew, and all her close friends at school are still her close friends. So young people don't seem to have a problem with this. But I suppose there's a lot of people out there, uh, grumpy old white men who've ruled the sporting world for decades, who think everything should be played to their tune. But the world is changing, and it's not a big deal anymore for people to change gender. In fact, there's this new category now, which you touched on with your professor there, of people who call themselves binary, neither male nor female. So I think a lot of people have just got to kind of take a little bit of time here and learn a bit about the world, this changing world that we're in and Laurel Hubbard, I fully support her I'm very pleased that she's at the Olympics she's clearly um, met the qualifying weights 
to get her to the games, and I wish her well. I'm going to stay uh, impartial uh, at this stage, and the reason why is I continue to be educated, and throughout the week, Telf, we're going to be speaking to a number of people, not just uh, in the medical side of things, the emotional side of things as well. Now, uh, one thing we must know about Laurel Hubbard is she must be mentally strong because she knows exactly what the bulk of this country is thinking about her at this time, but she's persevering. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? The, the, I, uh, I mean, she's been through this once before when she, I think, was picked for the New Zealand team for the Commonwealth Games, wasn't she? And this is when I recall doing a few interviews uh, three or four years ago. And she copped a lot of flack there from some of the other Commonwealth lifters, female lifters, that they were having to compete against her. And um, I think she had a couple of injury problems, and I thought well, she probably felt, oh, I've had enough of this. I'm, I'm out of this. I just want anonymity and some privacy in my life. But to enter back into the lion's den as she has speaks volumes, to me anyway, of the uh, mental strength of this woman, and um, I think that will stand her in good stead. Um, she seems to be largely impervious to all of this uh, flack that's flying around about her, much of it, I suppose, because it's not particularly well-founded, so it doesn't bother her. And I think she'll be getting good support, plenty of good support within the New Zealand team as well. Uh, obviously, they're doing the right thing, keeping her out of the media, being that would be too much, wouldn't it? Yes, exactly. Yes, I'm pleased that um, she hasn't been, you know, like someone like a circus clown being sort of rolled out to perform in, in front of the um, voracious media at a press conference. No, that would be ho- totally inappropriate. And uh, to date, I mean, I guess if she wins a medal, she will have to face the media, and she should, I suppose. And um, but I imagine she'll be well prepared, and she's probably um, confident. She's she's confident in herself. I think that's the important mm-hmm. thing, isn't it, Smitty? That you, but as you get a bit older, you do become are more comfortable with who you are. You don't worry so much about other people's opinions of who you are or what you are. You're comfortable in your own skin, and it's a very good place to, to get to. But it takes many years to get to that point, as I've discovered. Um, and I'm sure she's probably comfortable, very comfortable with who she is. Telf, uh, can you stay with us? I've got two or three other issues I, I really want to value your opinion on. So if we're going to go to, you know, you know the disciplines of, of radio. We're going to go to the news at the half hour. You know uh, all too well about that. Uh, can you stay with us? Uh, there's Ross Taylor I want to talk Absolutely. about. Uh, maybe the red card yeah. situation in rugby as well. So uh, if you can stay with us, I'd be thrilled. Well, one of the joys, Smitty, of being retired is you have plenty of time. <laughs> and we're using your time and uh, we're getting great value from it. Back uh, shortly with Brendan Telfer, but in the meantime, uh, here's Trudy with the news. The all-new SNZ. It's Kiwi for sport. In making SNZ news this hour, the government has uncovered evidence of Chinese cyber attacks here. GCSB Minister Andrew Little says they've established links between China's advanced persistent threat 40 and malicious cyber activity here in New Zealand. As well as the town battling red stick at homes and hundreds displaced after flooding, Westport has suffered another blow this morning, losing its local backpackers to fire. 30 firefighters battered the blaze this morning in Russell Street. Our travel bubble pause with Victoria has been extended until at least tomorrow as cases surge in Australia. To Fiji, they have 784 new cases and 15 deaths. And most of the UK's pandemic restrictions ended overnight, with caution urged as England reopens. People will need to show they're fully vaxxed with both jabs to enter places like nightclubs and larger venues. And maybe it's a sign to give up the durries. A Gold Coast woman in hotel quarantine has breached her ISO conditions after she was caught being delivered a packet of cigarettes by drone. SCNZ Radio.NZ Sport coming up. What?
VCNZ app. Download it today and never miss a moment of your favourite show. Streaming live anywhere, anytime. The Northern Stars are out of the ANZ Premiership after a one-goal loss against the Southern Steel last night. Winning the 149th British Open has helped Colin Morikawa move up one spot to a career-best third overall in the official world golf ranking. And Lena Bloom, we're on topic here, Lena Bloom is Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Issue's first transgender cover. Bloom is also the first trans woman of colour to be featured in the magazine. Penrite Oil has a premium range of lubricants powering anyone from racing drivers to everyday Kiwis for over 30 years. Showers clear away for the North Island, so fine weather for the rest of our Tuesday. Mainly fine too for the South Island, just isolated showers around Hokitika and Fiordland. And today from four, Drive with Beaver, Stephen Donald on SENZ. Wow, about how about that last story? Lena Bloom is Sports Illustrated Swimsuits Issues first transgender cover. Bloom is also the first trans woman of colour to be featured in the magazine. Brendan Telfin is still with us. Uh, Brendan, what do you make of that? Uh, not much, no. I, <laughs> I like Sports Illustrated as a magazine, uh, but um, I, li- I like it for the literature, not the, not the bikini. OK, fair enough. Hey, listen, here's another subject that uh, I'm pleased to say uh, we uncovered some information from this morning, the Ross Taylor one. Now, it seems uh, an age ago uh, that you uh, were very much in on the play when Ross Taylor lost the captaincy at that time. That was a very emotive issue around New Zealand sport. Um, and and uh, you covered it in depth. You gave it every inch and, and to be fair uh, there was a time when everyone wondered whether Ross Taylor would continue playing at that time. News coming through this morning that he's going to continue playing at this time. How do you feel about that? Uh, well good on him, good on him. Again I, I guess it's another example of a guy who's very comfortable with in his own skin at this age of what is he, 36, 37. Um, I, I didn't think he was as productive with the bat as he had been in a, a couple of years back uh, on this uh, tour of England and, and the World Cup final but you know Smitty there was a moment there on that uh, was it the fourth day or the last day of that World fi- uh, uh, Test Championship final when New Zealand were two for 20 odd chasing mm-hmm. what was it 140 or 150 yep. and I was thinking of all of the men who have walked to the wicket with a bat under their arm to play cricket for New Zealand who would you want coming to the wicket at this vital stage with India with their you know their kind of sense of um, uh, victory in the air they had a sniff of it in, in their nostrils at that stage and I was going back through all of these great stodgy batsmen that we've produced who could stay at the wicket for long periods of time people like Bruce Edgar and John Wright even Graham Dowling was a guy who knew how to stay at the wicket for long periods of time but I thought no the only other guy that I could think of who I'd like to see walking to the wicket now other than Ross Taylor was Bert Sutcliffe because he had the, the technical skills <laughs> and just kind of the, the ability to, to bat on a, on a wicket that was giving plenty of assistance to the bowlers and I thought that that performance of Ross Taylor's that day um, is why uh, we can't afford to lose him. I mean, you know, he's getting on to 40 and I think the, uh, there's not too many batsmen around who batsmen are still playing international cricket at 40. I think Graham Gooch was playing test cricket, was he, when he was about 40? Yep. And um, 
I saw a couple of days ago live on television here from, um, where is it, the Caribbean, uh, Chris Gale, who I think is now 40, smacking 67 off the Australians in a T20. Um, so I, I think uh, Ross has, you know, he's made a decision based on his fitness. His mental capacity, I suppose, is important, isn't it? He's got to yeah. be mentally committed to what he wants to do. And after all these years playing cricket, you could understand if he has become a little tedious and bored with some aspects of the game of cricket. So um, I presume he's gone through all of this. He's got support from his family, and uh, he still has plenty to offer, doesn't he? I mean, you know him better than I do. Yeah, well, what did you make of his Well, it wasn't surprising to me. I, I kind of sensed that, that he would do that. Um, I, I, you know, I know the guy pretty well. One of the other things you mentioned about the, the, the hard nature that he's got and the resilient nature you know, to, to sell his wicket quite dearly and, and, and produce a lot of those uh, tough innings, is that the other side of it is if you get it wrong as a bowler, you get punished. You, know, you get those guys that come to the wicket and they just occupy. And if you, if you have a loose spell bowl, a couple of loose deliveries, you don't get punished for it. Ross Taylor will deal to you. So when you're chasing and defending a relatively low total, that's what makes him equally as dangerous. Yeah. Red cards. Red cards in rugby. Um, I see the overnight uh, World Rugby have uh, decided that there will be no further punishment for Coram Betty because they figure basically uh, it was the wrong decision, I guess. Yeah, um, I think the fault is with the laws of rugby is that there should be something between, I know this sounds very bureaucratic, between the yellow card and the red card. Now, Corin Betty, when I first saw that, it didn't look good, but when you looked at it in slow motion, there was clearly head contact on the French player, and okay, the French player might have dived a bit, but um, uh, you know, uh, I think quite rightly, world rugby has said that any contact with the head, uh, there's no room for discretion, there's no room for giving the benefit of the doubt to the attacker and I think that is a very good sound policy it's a bit like the policy that WADA have with drugs you can dream up all of the excuses in the world however creative they may be as to why you unfortunately returned a positive drug test but at the end of the day uh, WADA says you and only you are responsible for what goes into your mouth in terms of fluid and food and you have to take that responsibility and it's the same on a rugby field okay they you know, don't have quite the same amount of time to make these objective decisions but if you contact someone someone's head as a tackler, you have to be in trouble. Um, maybe maybe there should be a, uh, I was thinking at the time when I was watching that match, maybe this guy should have had 20 minutes, a double yellow card, 20 minutes in the bin rather than off for the whole game because it did to some degree spoil the match I guess and it's hardly surprising that Australia won after that but um, there's got to be something other than just a yellow card, 10 minutes, red card, gone for the match. Maybe he could have been gone until half time or something but um, he deserved some kind of punishment. There's no doubt about that in my mind. Whether he should have had the red card for the whole match, well, I, I remain sitting on the fence about that to some degree. Telf, you'll be pleased to know we're taking texts. Uh, it's 88.33, by the way. You don't have to do that, Telf. But you, you'll, you'll be pleased with this. Great to hear Brendan Telfer on the airwaves again. A New Zealand broadcasting legend. Keep up the good work. That's from Mark. So they're still wanting you out there, and we will continue to want well, you as time well, goes on. Well, well, Smitty, I tell you, when your producer, John Day, rang me this morning, I had a very difficult decision to make because I do Tai Chi in the mornings now. Oh. Um, and so I decided, because it was Ian Smith, I'd give up my morning of Tai Chi to talk to you on the radio. So there we are. Thank I'm, you. I'm so appreciative, uh, and we're all appreciative, actually. Your views are obviously heavily, heavily respected. Uh, we'll give you plenty of notice next time. And in the meantime, uh, enjoy your Tai Chi tomorrow morning. 
I will indeed. Thanks, Mitty. Hey, hey, thanks, Telf. Absolute fantastic to have Brendan Telfer on. God, I've got so much respect for that bloke. Uh, and his opinions, and uh, every now and then uh, his opinions will not be your opinions, and that's great. And that's why we enjoy uh, your company too here on SCNZ. We will be back very shortly with uh, one of our partners, one of our partners in this new project uh, of uh, sport on racing on radio. We're going to the TAB. We're going to talk to, believe it or not, the Chief Transition Officer. Uh, is that the word of the day or what? He's the voice of sport in New Zealand. Superman! Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ. Yep, we are the new team in town and we're so pleased and uh, privileged to have you as part of it. Uh, caller of the month uh, will win a trip for two to Perth for the Bledisloe Cup. We honestly haven't had a lot of time. It's been so busy. We've had a lot of texts, but uh, we're going to make time after uh, the 11 o'clock news, probably around quarter past, 20 past 11. We'll try to make time for your thoughts because uh, certainly there's a lot of emotive issues around at the moment. Uh, you, you will win too, by the way, if uh, you're the successful one. Two nights accommodation and flights to Perth. Uh, tickets to the game and Reserve seating and uh, all the social activities around it as well. Simply fantastic. Uh, thanks to Ballpark Entertainment uh, for taking part in that along with us. Now, speaking of partnerships, uh, we're partners with the TAB uh, in this new venture and we're excited uh, about that as well. Uh, joining us on line now is the Chief Transitioning Officer, uh, Mr Dean McKenzie, uh, who's been an industry man right from the get-go. I mean, this isn't a new job for him in racing. He's, uh, it's been in his heart and his soul for such a long period of time. Uh, good morning, Dean. G'day, mate. How are you? Oh, look, I'm good. I'm excited. I'm sure you are too that uh, racing is uh, starting to get a bit more airplay back on the radio. Yeah, no, obviously. And, and you know, we're, we're definitely heading in the right direction in a whole lot of aspects at the moment. So it's, it's, it's great that radio's a part of it. Dean, your title is Tree, Chief Transition Officer. Tell us what that entails. Uh, to me, it just suggests uh, getting from A to B or change. Yeah, pretty much. It's um, I think it's my fourth title um, in the three years of nearly three years that I've been kind of involved with the, the reform program, so to speak. So yeah, it's just another title, mate. To be honest, and um, you know, once it's it's we're in the kind of this last phase of the the reform program now. It's as um, you know, we're probably at X using all terminology, um, and on our on our way to Z, and you know, Z is when we. You know, when I'll hand the reins over to a chief executive um, at some point in the near future, once a new ball get the get their feet under the desk and 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 decide what what and when and etc. But yeah, just another title. We've, we've, you've called me a lot worse on a Saturday <laughs> afternoon at Turks. I have, and I'll continue to do so. Hopefully, look, hey, <laughs> you're never going to be Joe Popular when you make change in any industry. Uh, it hasn't been an easy road for you. You've had to, you know, you've had to to lay people off. You've had to shut down, um, you know, race tracks with great history behind them that must have been tough because people in racing are genuinely fairly dedicated people oh, I think racing people around the world and, and in New Zealand in particular you, you don't get better people than um, racing people to be honest they are the salt of the earth and um, you know I guess one of the attractions why people like you or I are interested in it it's a, the, you know, the quality of the, the comradeship that you have and the friendships you develop um, yeah shit, I mean it, it's like everyone over the last you know, 18 months, um, you know, we've all had to experience, you know, our setbacks and challenges in, in whatever role or, or business we're in. And, you know, as is no different, we were, I guess the only difference for us is we were kind of halfway through a, a period of change anyway with the with the reform program that had kicked off with the Masara report in 2018. So there, there was kind of that added complication, but I think we were all in that same boat when, 
you know, I, I was re- recalling the story the other day when I walked out of a uh, board meeting on the 14th of March last year and heard that the NBA, you know, was shutting down um, after Rudy, what's his name, from the Jazz, had, um, Utah Jazz, had re- mm. tested positive and they, were, they closed it down. And, you know, when, when our business sells, you know, every five sports bets, one of them's a basketball bet or in plays even worse, it's a... You know, but about 30% of our in-play bets are basketball bets. So, you know, when something like that happens, you know you're, you know you're in for a rocky road, and we we probably didn't know how rocky that road was going to be. But, um, you know, thankfully, I think we're kind of getting onto some tar seal and coming out the other end now, which is you know, which is great and a credit to everyone, really. You only have to look at the banking industry to know that uh, people contact is going down. Uh, digital forms of of banking and the uh, ability of people to just do their own stuff, really, uh, is that the way you're trending? Yeah, I think the numbers say that, that, you know, it's society. Um, but, you know, we're, we're in an interesting business in that, you know, we do interact with, you know, people from 18 up to, you know, um, 70s, into the 70s and 80s. So we're still going to remain conscious that, you know, we, we've got to retain customers and, and whether that's a 20-year-old customer or a 70-year-old customer. So, you know, that's why I think you still see that, you know, you walk into a retail branch of the TAB and there's still a heavy reliance on, you know, customers putting bets on without bet slips and using cash and that type of thing, uh, putting them on manually. And, and, you know, there's no real um, direction at the moment, mate, to change any of that. I think, you know, we can all get, always get smarter at it and tweak it and all that type of thing. But, you know, retail and that full service, if you like, cash through to digital is something that we're trying to manage. And, and it's like the banks, it's, you know, trying to find that right balance between, you know, not over-investing in, in one or the other. You know, you've got to be able to provide access. But at the same time, you, you know, you can't have millions of dollars of capital tied up in, in a part of your business that's only driving a small, you know, re- return for your stakeholders. Because ultimately, you know, for the TAB, that means that it, it pays out less money to the racing industry. So, you know, have we got that balance right? Yeah, probably not. Are we... You know, still searching to do that, absolutely. And, and but I think you know that cash and um, you know that that manual transaction, if you like, is still going to be with us for for some time to come. That's for sure. Great to know. I, I really enjoy the personal contact and and betting and and the TAB as well. Uh, Dean McKenzie, thanks very much uh, for your time this morning and good luck going forward, mate. Catching up soon. Yep, good on you, Dino. Okay, right, uh, coming up very shortly, uh, another man involved heavily in the punting industry, Louis Herman, Herman Watt, will be with us. And then we're going to visit the TAB with Paul Mowadi to get an update from them as well. All coming up before 11. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. The Love Racing Update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz, racing's biggest fan. <laughs> Louis Herman, what with me now? And uh, this is fantastic to be able to talk to you because I know you've got uh, your eyes on everything involved in the racing industry, even the trials today. Is that right? Yep, Smithy, that is right. If uh, can we? Can you hear me there? Yep. I think I can hear you. Yep. Yeah, We're, good. Yep. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Excuse me, but of a false start of uh, of. Broken through the barriers there, Smithy. But we're looking at the trials because there are some star trialists going to the Cambridge Synthetic for a go-around, including Probabil, Cornflower Blue, Festivity, Prix de Fur, Avantage, Amarilina, on Trivier, so the Tiakau Stars, and a bunch more. So I'll be watching that because I'm enough Absolutely. Uh, Tiakau, so strong last year, mate. And particularly for the babies, strong three-year-old year coming up. 
Yes, on the bubbles. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of state. Sort of state. We'll go to Australia, try to win a group one, solidify himself as a cult. Right. Smith- okay. Smithy, I've got one for you. Okay. Futures. Yeah. You love a futures, I bump. do. I, I, I'm not that patient with my money, but if, if it's from you, Louis. If it's from you. You've missed out on the 15s. Yeah. But you've still got 10s. Okay. On trivia oh. in the invitation. The invitation, a new race at Randwick on Cox Plate Day for fillies and mares, invite only, hence the name. Set weights and penalties. She hasn't won a group one, so she'll get a nice weight. She'll go there when a lot of the stars, probably et cetera, will be down in Melbourne for the Cox Plate Carnival. And she is currently at $10 on the lo- at the local tote on the TAB. Go have a look at it. You missed the 15s, but $10. If she starts in this race, which you're taking the bet on the futures, yeah. but if she starts, she'll start under four bucks. Oh, she's quality. I remember Danielle Johnson saying uh, that was uh, the horse she last season, probably the horse her favourite to ride. Unbelievable. So, yeah, okay, Louis, in every day, courtesy of loveracing.newzealand. Uh, look, stay with me. I'll get you a divvy. Don't worry about that. I will get you a divvy. Uh, look, uh, we've had some great texts this morning. How about this one? Delusional. Delusional. You would think delusional was when talking about the Laurel Hubbard issue. You would have thought that, wouldn't you? Delusional. No, it's about Ross Taylor. People are delusional if you think he shouldn't go on. That's been one of the stories of the morning. They keep coming on in. News. Very, very shortly with Trudy. Uh, look, some emotive issues and COVID, so much part of everything we deal about every hour. After the break, we're going to go straight to the Olympic Village, talk to Rob Waddell because there's been cases again overnight. News time. new SCNZ is Kiwi for Sport. Good morning, it's 11 o'clock. I'm Trudy Nelson with SCNZ News. Extra supplies and a record number two of the Pfizer vaccine have arrived and being distributed today. COVID Response Minister Chris Hipkins says getting the near 400,000 vacs out of freezers and into the arms of New Zealanders will be his priority this week. Four Chinese nationals have been charged in a global hacking campaign aimed at dozens of companies, universities and government agencies in the US and abroad, including New Zealand. A Tucson gunman has fired shots at emergency staff, Arizona police and firefighters in a spree overnight, which has left one dead and four injured. A roadside bomb attack has targeted a Baghdad suburb, killing at least 18 and wounding dozens of others at a crowded market. And just four days to go, and the musician in charge of entertainment at the Olympics opening ceremony has suddenly resigned. Keigo Oyamada admitted to having bullying, bullied sorry, his classmates of and disabled students in the 90s. His comments came to light after his role at Tokyo's opening ceremony was announced. And two Kiwi sports stars have come together in an international campaign that will see more than 16,000 food kits distributed to some of the country's most most vulnerable. Our very own Izzy Dagg and tall black Tom Abercrombie will donate the food kits to Food Bank Canterbury as part of a slam dunk challenge with international athletes Sandrine Gruder, Tony Parker, Marta Zaga and Nick Kyrgios all taking part. Dr John Milligan, CEO of Food Bank Canterbury, says the charity assists with the provision of almost 10,000 meals daily for those at risk and in need. SENZ Radio.NZ Sport coming up. The SENZ app. Download it today and never miss a moment of your favourite show. Streaming live anywhere, anytime. 
Wallabies wing Marika Korobete, who was sent off in the third test against France at the weekend, is free to play again after World Rugby overturned his red card. The Northern Stars are out of the ANZ Premiership after a one-goal loss last night against the Southern Steel. Stars captain Maya Wilson unhappy with her shooting stats, only slotting 52% in the goal circle. The 46-45 win secures the Steel a spot in the final August 1st against the Mainland Tactics. And England's Football Association has commissioned an independent review to look into the disturbances during the Euro final against Italy. The final, won by Italy in a penalty shootout, was marred by clashes between fans and officials around Wembley. Penrite Oil has a premium range of lubricants powering anyone from racing drivers to everyday Kiwis for over 30 years. Showers clear away for the North Island, so fine weather for the rest of our Tuesday. Mainly fine too for the South Island, just isolated showers around Hokitika and Fiordland. And today from four, Drive with Beaver, Stephen Donald on SENZ. This is Mornings with Ian Smith. here on SCNZ Tuesday morning and it's the 20th of July just in case you were wondering Sir Edmund Hillary's birthday today Edmund Hillary one of the great men in the history of our country birthday today wow Good on you, Ed. Uh, look, uh, in the next hour, we've got uh, the chef de mission, uh, Rob Waddell, who's uh, in charge of our team. Of course, uh, a legend in his own right, uh, former Olympian, and, and uh, as well as uh, being part of the America's Cup as well. What a life uh, he has had. Um, might not be that in- uh, interesting at the moment. Well, interesting, but it might not be that enjoyable. Boy, is he in the hot seat. Uh, so he's coming up very shortly. We've got a thing called Mount Rushmore. John Day and I are going to debate uh, our most favourite, most favourite, Olympic gold medals. I go back in time, he's a little bit more modern, as uh, our relative ages would suggest. But uh, yeah, that's coming up uh, in this hour, as well as your chance to stump Smithy. Yesterday, uh, our caller got all three, absolutely got all three, and you're winning 50 bucks, 50 bucks with the betting vouchers. You've got to have a phone account so we can put the money in for you to uh, to make use of those. Then we're going to get uh, seriously into talkback. Uh, probably haven't got enough time for talkback today. We've had so many issues. Ross Taylor, yep, he's back for us, folks. Uh, and then the Laurel Hubbard issue as well. Uh, so that's good. And then we'll have a quick chat to Mark Stafford, of course, taking us through from 12 to 4 later this afternoon here on SENZ. But let's uh, go to Tokyo uh, and to Rob Waddell. One of the men with the most interesting job at the moment in terms of sport in New Zealand is uh, Rob Waddell, of course, legend of, of rowing, legend of Olympics himself, uh, multiple winner of uh, Halberg Awards and, uh, of course, with the America's Cup team as well. So he's a bit of an all-rounder, but his role at the moment is, uh, is a really interesting one and a pretty tough one as well. He's the chef de mission, of course, for uh, our Olympic team in Tokyo. He's had the role since 2012, two Commonwealth Games involved there, uh, Rob uh, also the Olympics at Rio uh, and now Tokyo. Uh, how different is Tokyo, mate? Uh, to be fair, uh, what we're hearing, uh, it's almost like everyone's on tender hooks over there. Yeah, thanks, Ian. Well, I guess um, not, nice to connect in. And look, every every game is, is different. It's a, the only way of describing it, really. I think uh, there's always curveballs with a role like this. You just don't know what they're going to be and when they're going to turn up. And this one had the biggest curveball ever was that the games had been postponed. So that took a fair bit of getting used to for everyone and some 18 months of, of working through that. And up until Christmas, obviously, a huge amount of uncertainty for people as to whether it was even going to go ahead. 
uh, I guess it's always been uncertain how it would unfold, and and we, we you know, no one's held a, a Olympic Games in the middle of a global pandemic before, so things aren't perfect. But look, we're we're charging on. We're we're doing everything we want to do. Uh, we're settled in now, and we're welcoming teams in. And fingers crossed, things are going just fine to this point for the New Zealand team. So we get these um, the impression we we hear the Czech volleyball player overnight, uh, and alternate for the US gymnastics team has also tested positive. Uh, we're sort of getting the the impression over here that it's not sounding too good. But you're saying it's not as bad as that. We always thought that COVID would come into the village at some point. There's just too much of it happening around the world for it not to. And it's quite interesting, the reaction. A lot of the countries that have been living with this for, it's just part of their everyday life and how they're trying to cope with it. It's it's not, not such a big deal. Um, and they're just getting on with it. Obviously, it's a concern. It's something we watch really, really closely, as, as every, every nation does. But we can only control the controllables, which for us is to stick to our bubble, do our job, um, really well with the three simple things we're telling our athletes which is keeping your hands really clean um, and hygiene generally face masks and, and social distancing now, the social distancing gets more and more challenging as people come to the village but there are some common sense things, things we can do and yeah I mean our team just excited to be competing in and you know we're, we're all hoping to get to the start line in good shape Rob, obviously, you, you know, you, you, as you say, you're, you're involved and you're looking inwards towards the team and, and their preparations as, as such. How aware of you of, of the general mood of the public of, of Japan? And, you know, we're hearing and seeing vision of, of protests, etc., and a groundswell of, of feeling perhaps that it shouldn't actually happen. Uh, how, how aware are the athletes of that? Yeah, there's certainly been a, a range of sentiment I think across Japan and you've seen that with some of the teams just in the things I've heard and experienced uh, and not just with New Zealand team but I guess more broadly you do hear of some other nations where they've seemed to be really welcome in some parts of Japan and maybe not so much in others and I guess we just feel very privileged that they're still holding the games in and everyone is working hard it looks like, uh, certainly the nations we see we talk to closely to keep these standards high to make sure we're not part of the problem uh, and, and making things worse. So we're very aware of the health of the Japanese public. We're very aware of our own teams um, and and just you know, get, getting on and trying to make the job happen. So aware of what's happening and very conscious of it. And I guess in, within the village, we certainly feel like there's, there's goodwill amongst all the, the contractors and Japanese staff that are here yeah. to help us uh, and, and, to, and to get the games off the ground. You've been in many Olympic villages, you, you know uh, that's half of uh, outside of the competing of it, uh, the camaraderie the mixing, you know the experience that you get from um, uh, an Olympic village is something the athletes say you'll never ever forget. Uh, how different is it this time around with the precautions that are being taken, the atmosphere in the village and the mixing uh, you know, and, and that camaraderie with the other Nations, it's, it's definitely different, and it'll be uh, inaccurate not to say it's a, it's a pity it can't happen. Like even uh, a couple of days ago, I went to the NPC, the main media centre, and you drive past these incredible venues: the gymnastics venue, the swimming venue, and you and you realise you know there's not going to be any crowds in there. There's not going to be the, the masses of people milling around them, and so uh, I guess at an Olympic level, um, at a, in the side of the village. It is a pity that, that that won't happen. It's going to be a very different games experience. There's no doubt about it. But it is still going to be an amazing experience. It's still an incredible thing to represent the New Zealand team. 
to to represent your country, to come over here to do this. And I guess the thing for our athletes, Ian, is that the field of play hasn't changed at all. That's still the same. And nothing will be any different there. You've got the, the same tough opposition. You're still going to face the fire. The blowtorch will still come on. And uh, those games will happen. So that's something that the athletes are definitely really excited about. And I know for athletes coming to the team, look, we're really cautious and kind of around us. Make no mistake about that. But they're also very excited to be lining up and looking forward to competing. So no crowds, which uh, you know means they're devoid of uh, any atmosphere. They have to generate their own, the athletes, which uh, is amazing. So if I'm an athlete, um, I've competed in my event, you know, I'm done and dusted in that regard. What is your protocol that do I get out of Dodge? Do I come home on the first plane available? Am I able to stay in the village? Am I, am I because I'm part of a, a, a bubble around athletes, am I allowed to go and support my teammates in any capacity? Yeah, well, the latter, unfortunately not. They've been really clear on that, that they're just trying to cut down all movements possible. So, again, that's a really hard thing for us to come to grips with in the team, that we can't all get charge around and and have big numbers of people supporting these different events and these, these wonderful Kiwis doing their thing. Uh, there may be reasons why we need to have staff, medical, physio and other go to these different places, uh, but we certainly can't do it en masse, so that's, that's tricky. Uh, but, look, in terms of when the game's... When each person's event finishes, uh, they they do have to leave within 48 hours. They have to leave the village. So logistically, of course, that presents challenges for us. But it's nothing we haven't been working through for the last year, <laughs> and, uh, and working really closely with government and and to make sure that the the team the team can come back into the country and come back in safely. So the, there aren't the same number of commercial flights that you might uh, expect in, in normal times. So our team are having to go into different. Um, timings of when they stay in hotels here to when they, they come back home and obviously as you can imagine it depends on how far through your competition you go we've, uh, we've factored all our teams going all the way through to the gold medal match Ian as, as we, we always would back ourselves and, uh, and we hope they do but there might be occasions where teams finish earlier than anticipated and they, they have, to, have to leave the village within 48 hours and then they will go into a, a hotel to hold for a few days before they can come back to New Zealand Rob Waddell uh, online with us, folks, uh, of course, the chef de mission in, in Tokyo and an unenviable job, I think, on this occasion, just listening to the logistical side of things. Rob, the, the opening ceremony is uh, on Friday. It's a really special time for any athlete. But given the lack of crowds and the risk of, of the virus, how many Kiwis will attend? Yeah, we're still getting that exact number from sports because they're uh, finalising their planning and also as you can imagine, the, because of this rule around when people can come in and when they can leave the village, it, it really reduces the number of people that might normally be available. So we think, we think we'll think we have a, a, a few people marching, but it's not going to be a big number, um, purely just by the fact that uh, some are competing the next day or that they are uh, you know, simply not there. So, But we will, we'll, we'll, we'll have a team marching, and I know our two flag bearers are, are upbeat about it, are looking forward to it. And we've, as you do, you try and work through the detail to make sure that they're going to be safe and that we can get back there, get them back in good time to ensure that they are not on their feet too long and that they're ready to go for whatever's around the corner for them. So, no, we're looking forward to it. It just might not be our biggest uh, contingent ever to walk into the stadium. Yeah, I think everything's going to be different, uh, and I think we've got to get used to that as home to uh, and 
in terms of being a, a spectacle. Rob, hey, look, thanks very much. I know you're an extremely busy guy. You're on tender hooks every time the phone rings, I, I guess. Um, but please, if you can, uh, enjoy the occasion. I'm you know, so experienced at this, this damn deal, but this will be, even for you, something entirely different. And I think the most important thing, mate, is to stay safe and healthy. Thanks so much for your time. Thanks, yeah. No, we're definitely enjoying it. We're working hard, and like I say, the athletes are really, really excited about lining up. It's been a long time with the, the break in international competition, and a lot of these athletes haven't been able to, to do what they normally do, so they're really excited. They're looking forward to it. Well, he sounds upbeat, doesn't he, uh, Rob Waddell? We, we really does have a, a difficult job to perform. Uh, he's uh, putting a really positive light on things, and, and that's what you would expect from a man like that uh, in charge of a team that is uh, at the moment assembling in Tokyo. And even as they land, I would imagine uh, on various planes, they're starting to think, uh, will I get to uh, take part in these Olympics? Uh, if, uh, in honesty, how, how much will it take for them to really consider it very closely? How many more little outbreaks? Uh, and uh, how can I stay COVID-free myself? So much to think about as an athlete outside just the normality of participating and getting yourself up and prepared without atmosphere to perform at your highest level is such an interesting time and a tough time for our athletes. And I salute them all before uh, day one has even taken part. John, actually, the, the football, the women's football starts before the opening ceremony. Anything else? Yeah, it sure does. Um, I think 11.30 tomorrow night, yeah. we're in action. The football ferns and then the men's, the Ollies, Ollie Whites are the night after. And then the morning of Friday, we've got rowers. So, yeah, this is all before the opening ceremony starts. Yeah, well, it starts for me then. As soon as New Zealand start to compete, it starts to me for me tomorrow night. Other birthdays today, Stephen Adams, NBA fan. Stephen Adams fans, uh, your mate, he's uh, the tender old age of 28. Boy, has he achieved something in the last, and banked some coin in the last three or four years. Greg Feek, the all-black scrum coach, 46 years of age for Feeky. Uh, his uh, scrum's going pretty well, admittedly, just against Fiji. And legendary Formula One driver, New Zealand. Chris Amon uh, he uh, died back in 1943 it's his birthday as well and so Red would have been 102 today just by the by 102 uh, after a short break we're going to come back with uh, a new segment Mount Rushmore John Day and I debate 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 uh, the merits of our Olympic golds over the years he's the voice of sport in New Zealand <laughs> Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. 11.21 here on SENZ. Uh, keep those uh, texts rolling in. Sounds like a telethon. Keep those uh, donations rolling in. Keep the texts rolling in. A text-a-thon. Uh, it's been really good this morning. Fantastic. Uh, how about these three? Guys, this is brilliant. Finally felt uh, like something is back to normal in this post or living with COVID world. Cheers, Monty. Thanks, Monty, for that. Uh, how about uh, if John Rahm can win the US Open two weeks after having COVID, I think our Olympians will be just fine. Uh, and this one from Zane. This is slightly different, folks. Really really gutted that these Olympics are happening. I've spent half my life in Japan. My wife is Japanese and my kids were born there. In the past 12 months, not one person I've spoken to in Japan actually wants this to happen. I think Rob Waddell is kidding himself. The overwhelming majority over there 
They don't want this event to happen. Man, that's deep. Right, let's move into our new segment. Uh, John Day and I are going to debate here. We're calling it Mount Rushmore, and that Mount Rushmore, of course, is that edifice in America where they've carved four presidents into their rock face. So we've done this with our Olympic gold medals, uh, and we're carving this into our Olympic rock face. So, JD, you're running the cutter from here on that side of the window. Uh, Can I go first? Absolutely, Smithy. I think it's, uh, what is it, Age Before Beauty? Yeah. So, go well, for it. i got both in my favour there, oh, okay, but just move right. on in. Yeah. 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 Go on. So, okay, my first one. Uh, my first one, it has to be Sir Peter Snell. It has to be Sir Peter Snell. Are you Snell. going straight to number one? Yeah. Are you? Oh, 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 you want to go four to yeah, one? Yeah, let's oh. start with number four. I'll give you number four. Oh, okay, number let's four. Go. Give me number four. By Ainerson, and it's there. New Zealand have scored through Tony Ainerson. Six minutes into the second half, it's New Zealand one, Australia nil. The match is all over. New Zealand have won the gold medal. They have beaten Australia by one goal to nil. Recognise the commentator? Did you recognise the commentator? Sounds very young. Uh, okay, well, keep you guessing on that one. 1976. Uh, yeah, keep you guessing. Okay. So that was uh, the men's hockey team, 1976. Amateurs. Absolute amateurs in every uh, sense of the word. They had jobs and etc. Had to make so many sacrifices uh, to to get to this point. I actually, play golf with one on a Thursday down in Bridge Park. Alan Mc- why you've chosen them? Alan McIntyre, yeah, safe choice, wasn't it? <laughs> uh, so that was Montreal. I have no doubt in my mind that goal. I can still see the goal. I can still see the celebration. That for me deserves to be on my Mount Rushmore. Shall we go back to number one, or do you want to go to number three? No, I now? think we'll go four, three, two, one from here, Smithy. You have given away your number one. Well. I mean, it's everyone's anyway, so yeah. just move on. All right, on. so okay. number three. 50 metres to go to the finish line, and New Zealand have got it. New Zealand must win the gold. East Germany will be second. Possibly United States on the far side may put the East Germans. New Zealand coming up. New Zealand coming up. And New Zealand have won the gold medal in the eights. On the far side, United States is second, and East Germany is third. The New Zealand rowing eight wins the gold at Munich. 1972. 1972. Absolutely fantastic performance by those guys. That was uh, in Munich. Uh, I shall never in my lifetime forget the vision that came through and the expression on those guys' faces. Uh, Cox, uh, Simon Dickey, uh, so many um, fantastic people in that who had made the sacrifice. I'll tell you how important that was to the Olympics. And this came from Avery Brundage, who was the IOC president at the time. He uh, insisted on changing the roster for presenting the medals. Right. He came down to that particular event and presented the medals to the New Zealand team because he thought they, of all teams and all athletes in those Olympics, epitomised the Olympic spirit the best for being amateurs. So that was what the times were like back then. And so the president said, let let me give these guys their gold medals. Wow. Also, uh, a little known fact, I believe that was the first time in those days when New Zealand got a medal, it was God Save the Queen. I think that was the first time God Defend New Zealand was played. You there, beauty. There you go. Absolutely. And then we're still chasing that dream all these years later, Smithy, how in can, the eight. How can, that not be, how can that not be in your Mount Rushmore? Well, we're still waiting for mine. Yeah, okay. It could be in mine. It could be in my top four. Good so God. We're, we're inching closer, Smithy. Okay. This is your number two. But Walker from New Zealand, the world mile record holder, strikes for Olympic gold. Van Damme second. Belmont comes through the inside. Buckland's there for Ireland. Clement's coming with a late run, but too late. And Walker goes home, as the great New Zealanders have done in the past. Great New Zealanders. Absolutely great New Zealander, John Walker. You just can't go past the guy. He's run 100 
sub four minute miles as he, well. He had style as well, didn't he? He had big Evo Van Dam chasing him down, uh, and he was a massive shadow of a man. And he, he was chasing him down, but Walker jubilantly raising those two hands as he breasted the tape. John Walker, simply one of the great New Zealand sportsmen. Geez, we talked to a few and about a few this morning, yeah. but uh, no, no issue for me. Absolutely in there at number two. Okay, number one. All Come right, on, the here, moment. Here we go. And it's held now by seven or eight yards. Seven or eight yards now over. This is a great Britain. Davies of New Zealand. Hell, Britain, Davies. Here's the New Zealand kicker for Mark here. Hell, cross the line, 10 yards ahead. Jeez, we're going back there, Smithy. Yeah, we are. We're going back to 1964. I was uh, seven years of age, but I still remember it. I absolutely still remember it. The reason why I remember it uh, is because uh, earlier that year, Sir Peter Snell, well, it was just Peter Snell back then, uh, had run at Cook's Gardens, broke the world record that night at Cook's Gardens. Uh, and I ran in the little juniors race uh, previously, the little schoolboys junior race before that. Uh, and we were allowed to stay up that late that night to go and watch this man in this beautiful purple singlet. Awesome. Uh, with a black uh, a black or, or purple um, a band across it as well. It was just, man, Peter Snell, absolutely fantastic. Uh, he won the 800 too, uh, to be fair. He got a double there. Yeah. There's something romantic about the 1500 and New Zealand's relationship with the 1500 metres. So many medals in yep. the 1500, haven't yeah. we? Even Nick Willis to this day. It's, it's ours. It's, it's our event. I'm going to claim it anyway. Okay, have a crack. Go All on. right, Smithy. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, mine are going to be more recent. Uh, people probably saw these on colour TV. Oh. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm going to start with number four is Sarah Ulmer. In 2004, in Athens, in the individual pursuit in the velodrome, I've never seen a more dominant performance. Like, Lisa Carrington dominates, but Sarah Ulmer that day uh, in 2004 just absolutely obliterated her Australian competition, who was going at world record pace. Sarah Ulmer shaved about two or three seconds off the individual pursuit for women's world record, and then that event got taken away from her. It got scratched. She was that good that they scratched that event away from the Olympics. So Sarah Ulmer will forever be the individual pursuit women's champion. And uh, 1992, Barbara Kendall. Yep. I've got in the board sailing. Uh, only our second ever gold medal it was at that time for a woman. Uh, it wasn't often done. So Barbara Kendall in 1992 was our sole gold medalist as well in the board sailing. And they lift them on the board, don't they? They carry them from the, the waves on the board yep. up to the beach. I yeah. remember that, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And her on the dais was just incredible emotion as well. I was 10 years old at the time, and that was the first time where I kind of realised, well, New Zealanders can be the best in the world mm. at something. And Barbara Kendall showed that to me. Uh, I'm going way back. This is might even before your time, Smithy. Now for my number two on Mount Rushmore of New Zealand Olympic gold medals, Helsinki, 1952. Yep. Before your time? Yep, absolutely. Yep. Yvette Williams in the long jump. Oh, right, Yvette Williams, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. One of the South Island's finest, Dunedin's finest, good at everything she did. Just amazing at netball, basketball, javelin, long jump. Like, would, would you ever see a New Zealander winning a long jump gold medal, you know, in the last few years or in the future? It's just not something we're good at. But it's so revered. It's one of those classic Olympic sports. Who can jump the furthest? And Yvette Williams could in 1952. So she was just incredible. And my number one, I do have audio for this, Smithy. Number one, and it's got to be everybody's number one. Everyone will remember this moment. 25 metres to go. Is this going to be gold for Daniel Loder? Daniel Loder of New Zealand leads. Loder in the centre of the pool now. We're going to have an Olympic gold medal here. 
Daniel Loder going to win this event. Loder wins. Loder wins gold for New Zealand and becomes the first New Zealand swimmer to win an individual gold medal at an Olympics. There you go, Smithy. Have you Peter Snell many moons ago when no one really had Have you much Peter t- Snell? TV? Have you Peter Snell? This is a New Zealander winning gold in the pool for the first time ever. Daniel Loder, he also went back-to-back, two gold medals in the pool in uh, 1996 in Atlanta. Daniel Loder, the greatest New Zealand gold medal that has ever been won. Yeah, OK. Well, if I wasn't doing Dry July, you and I would be off to the pub shortly to debate this <laughs> in full. But I am. Day 20. Grumpy. Getting grumpier by the second, too. Uh, look, after yeah, after the break, folks, uh, we're going to go to the news very shortly with Trudy. Uh, stump me if you can. We've got a quiz coming up. Uh, we'll give you three subjects to choose from. If you get three in a row right, you can beat me. Not many do. Here's Trudy. The all-new SNZ. It's Kiwi for sport. Might be grumpy, but you're healthier. It's 11.30 and making SENZ News this hour. The US and its allies have accused China of a global cyber espionage campaign, bringing together a large coalition of countries to publicly call out Beijing for hacking. The US, together with NATO, the EU, Britain, Australia, Japan, Canada and us here in New Zealand have condemned the spying this morning, which US Secretary of State Antony Blinken says poses a major threat to our economic and national security. More wet weather on the way for a drenched Westport as residents start to head home to clean up and assess damage. The Met Service has just issued a heavy rain watch for Buller and the Rangers of Westland from 6 tomorrow evening, which will last overnight into Thursday. And Ben and Jerry's will no longer sell ice cream in occupied Palestinian territories, saying it's inconsistent with the values of this socially conscious brand. SCNZradio.nz Sport coming up. The SCNZ app. Download it today and never miss a moment of your favourite show. Streaming live anywhere, anytime. The Northern Stars have dropped out of the ANZ Premiership playoffs after a tense 46-45 loss to the Southern Steel last night. As well as two South African footballers, an American gymnast and a tennis player, a Czech beach volleyball player is the latest Olympic athlete to test positive for COVID. And Lewis Hamilton has received racial abuse online after his controversial British Grand Prix win, which saw Max Verstappen crashed out of the race. Penrite Oil has a premium range of lubricants powering anyone from racing drivers to everyday Kiwis for over 30 years. Showers clear away for the North Island, so fine weather for the rest of our Tuesday. Mainly fine too for the South Island, just isolated showers around Hokitika and Fiordland. And today from four, Drive with Beaver, Stephen Donald on SENZ. Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. All right, Smithy, I'll take charge of this one. <laughs> Who's that last guy? Sounded as if he'd had about nine glasses of Merlot. <laughs> <laughs> probably had, an English commentator. Yeah, probably had. All right, it's your chance. Second time this week. Uh, we had a winner yesterday, stumped by Smithy. Uh, got all three questions right. Smithy didn't even have a look in. And this morning, we have a new contestant. His name is Brian. G'day, Brian. Hi, guys. How are you? Very well, Brian. Uh, Cheers for playing Stump by Smithy. Uh, Basically, how it works (laughs) is I'm going to give you three options of three sports. 
You choose one sport, and then I'm going to give you three questions about that sport. If you get them all right, you win $50 worth of bonus bets from the TAB. But if you come charging out of your crease, get a question wrong, Smithy has the opportunity to stump you, and you leave home with nothing. Do you understand, Brian? Yeah, I understand. Excellent. Let's get this started. You sound like a no-nonsense type of guy. Sound like I'm scared to get stumped. That's what I sound like. (laughs) All right, Brian, your sports today. You can either go with rugby, the Olympics, or tennis. Um, I might go with the Olympics, eh? Go with the Olympics, yep. Very topical. Not far away now. Alright, question number one. Michael Phelps has won the most Olympic medals of any athlete ever. How many medals has Michael Phelps won? see what Richie Benno has to say about that. Feet everywhere, body nowhere, and uh, the rest of him on the way back to the pavilion. You've been, uh, you've got an opportunity to be stumped here. So Smithy, Michael Phelps has won the most Olympic medals ever. American swimmer, everyone knows Michael Phelps. 20 was wrong from Brian, you've got an opportunity to stump him. Right, now, okay, I mean, this guy's prolific. You've got to remember that a guy like Michael Phelps swims in so many Olympics, but so many events within the Olympics. Uh, he's so versatile. So I'm going to say he's got more than 20, but that won't be good enough for you. No. I've got to hit it right on the money. Uh, for some reason, for some reason, the number 24 is coming at me right between the eyes. It's my favourite number, believe it or not, on a roulette wheel, so I'll take it anyway. Well, you're playing roulette here, yeah. Smithy. OK, so, Brian, I'm going 24, you've gone 20. Yeah. What's the verdict? You've missed the stumping, Smithy. He's got 23 gold medals oh. and 28 medals overall, so you've got a life there, Brian. We go on to question number two. Which country since 1928 has always entered first during the opening ceremony of the Olympics? Which country enters first in the opening ceremony? Brian, we're going to need an answer. Brian has disappeared off the line, as you can hear. <laughs> I, can't, I can't lose him, Some forklifts in the background. Hopefully he hasn't been run over by one. He might have been. Uh, but he has disappeared off the line. Well, how can we have a quiz when the bloke's just got run over? Well, we can't, Smithy. So you've won by default. I was day two. Uh, this is a curly one, actually, is it? It's, normally it's alphabetical. It is normally, but since 1928. Yeah, it's either the team that last hosted it or the team that's going to host it next. It's not the home team. The home team's generally last because they get the biggest round of applause. Am I close? So who would enter the arena every single time first because of the Olympics? Greece. Boom. Wow. Ian Smith. Well done. I don't think Brian was going to get that right anyway. Nah, nah, I beat you, Brian. So by default... He was scared anyway. But, uh, but, <laughs> yeah, by sheer intelligence, Ian Smith, you have stumped Brian and you are the carryover champion into tomorrow. And at some stage, Brian, if you've got the time, can you call us back just in case you have been run over? We'd like to get <laughs> yeah. you some help <laughs> by that forklift. Goodness me. <laughs> oh, yeah. crazy stuff. Oh, yeah. that's good. Um, hey, listen, now let's get some calls if we can, please. 0800 150 811. 0800 150 811. Subject, two subjects today, really. You can take your choice. Uh, Ross Taylor coming back and make himself available 
uh, and uh, going on with his career. That's uh, the news of the morning. And the other one is really uh, the Olympic Games. We're still divided. We are still divided on whether they should go ahead or not. Okay, we've got the Bledisloe Cup uh, giveaway as well as part of that. So if you're the caller of the month, you will win a trip for two to the Bledisloe Cup in Perth. Uh, You've got return flights, two nights accommodation. You've got the whole package, actually, including the social activities, which will be sensational and great seats. There aren't any bad seats, actually, at Optus Stadium. It's just one of those beauties. So uh, thanks to Ballpark Entertainment for that. Um, Yes, so please give us a call any time you feel like it and have your say here on SCNZ. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. 0800 150 811 is the number. 0800 150 811. Subjects of the day, should the Olympics still be going ahead? Dividing, it's dividing every day in the margin uh, in favour of, of yes, I think is getting smaller as we hear more and more news coming out of Japan. Uh, and also the other issue of the day is uh, Ross Taylor is still going to play for New Zealand and uh, majority basically, uh, has been overwhelming in the favour in favour of the fact that that's good news. We've got a lot of texts in, on a number of subjects this morning. Actually, there's, uh, John, you'll be interested in that. We've had a couple of texts through uh, on Mount Rushmore. Totally agree. Loaders' golds were amazing. So there we go, Smithy. Someone in your camp. Excellent. Mike has said, uh, Jack Lovelock, pre-World War II, a all. Well, how, you know, we couldn't really. I mean, Jack Lovelock. Yeah, sorry, some, Jack. It's probably uh, in the archives a, a little bit of voiceover of that, too. Yeah, go and, Jack, go. And Jack. a great pub too in Wellington, Lovelocks. Yeah. yeah. With a great TAB in there too. Can spend really? a long time. And Hell Pizza right next to it. So really? it's like a triple threat. You don't need to go anywhere. Wouldn't know anything about that. No. Uh, hi, Smithy. All of your top four are in my top five. Uh, I should have had a top five and Sarah Ulmer in there, 2004 gold and world record. That's from Carl in Rotorua. Uh, interesting, uh, the debate this morning about, uh, well, I won't say it was a debate, a little issue, just a little bit of an issue uh, overnight uh, brewing over TJ Perra, Perinara and, uh, of course, uh, Ian Foster. Now, we got a clip, uh, JD, of, of uh, TJ Perinara's reaction to this yeah, this morning. Yeah, absolutely, because um, Ian Foster came out yesterday mm. in the media and said, I, I didn't really know whether TJ was serious about the NRL or not. I wasn't personally over-impressed that that played out publicly. I made that point to him. I didn't like a senior All Black coming out and saying he was thinking of leaving. That's all part of the negotiation ploy, I guess. So the breakfast boys, Baz and Izzy, had TJ on this morning. This is what he had to say about that. Me and Foz have a, a really, really good relationship, so um, I don't see any bad blood in in his comments. Like it, people are allowed to um, assume or feel um, the way they want to feel, and um, but I don't hold any any grudge or anything about that. So pretty mature from TJ. Do you think he privately would mind that All Blacks coaches called him out like that? I I would think that he's played the right card there. To be fair, uh, in, all, in all honesty, uh, TJ is. Where does he fit in now in your pecking order? Is he does he just slot in straight ahead of Brad Weber? Does Brad Weber go down to number three? I mean, Finlay Christie didn't do a heck of a lot wrong himself, but no, it was great. Like, I don't mind TJ Peronara being back in the group. Uh, is he now number three? That's that's where I'm thinking, uh, and certainly he's not number one. Aaron Smith, who will be playing his hundredth Test match. 
I hope, and the whole of New Zealand hopes at Eden Park on August the 7th against Australia. What an occasion that will be. But, uh, yeah, so always a bit uh, dodgy, I think. Uh, you've got to play well when you start to get into little confrontations with your coaches, I've yeah. found over the years, and selectors. He's a confrontational sort of dude, he is. TJ Pirinata. He, he, he likes to wear his heart in his sleeve, and sometimes that's really good. Yeah, it is. Um, you, you know what you're getting with TJ. Uh, very culturally sensitive as well. Um, yep. and, and that's no problem with that at all. I mean, that is TJ Perinata, and uh, he, is, he is a superb halfback. Uh, I mean, and he is. He can change a game. He's one of those guys who can come off the bench and change a game just with his attitude, his aggressiveness. Uh, he's one of those halfbacks who's in the face of the referee all the time. He's, he's old school in that regard. So, But it is interesting, and uh, Ian Foster uh, seeing fit anyway. To slightly call him out on it. Yeah, just say, which I like from Ian Foster yeah. as well. I mean, he's fighting for his job this year. Yeah. Uh, you know, not a great uh, record last year. Only 50% win record. He knows that. Uh, he's got to have a strong, I think, opinion in the public eye yep. to get some respect from the public. Because uh, there's quite a lot of Scott Robertson fans out there, Smithy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think it's it's quite strong from Ian Foster as well. I hope to get Razor on, actually. At some stage, maybe later in the week, we'll get Razor on and uh, talk about that. Uh, that's, uh, I think, a, a really, really good issue. And, 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 and Razor, of course, was uh, pretty close, I would think. Pretty close. Or well, maybe not. Maybe it was a lay down Mazir and and the uh, the board had already had their main minds made up. But certainly yeah. there was a groundswell of support for Scott Robertson and particularly in the Christchurch area. And why not? His record is uh, it's undoubted. Uh, on the same subject, the rugby subject, the Lions, uh, British and Irish Lions, uh, take on the Springboks first test this weekend. You know, even as far as a week or so ago, I doubted that would happen. You know, COVID yeah. and the disruptions, etc. They find a way. Alan Wynne Jones is fit. Believe that this guy is made of something different. For after dislocating his shoulder against Japan less than a month ago, Alan Wynne Jones is fit. He's played the most tests ever, more so than Richie McCoy, who's got 148. But we don't really seem to rate him in New Zealand. Really? No, which is weird, isn't it? Um, you know, I think this will be his 10th Lions, Lions test if he plays in this next one. So that's four tours worth of Lions rugby. Wales completed the Grand Slam several times with him and Gats in that partnership. Um, but yet we'd pick Sam Whitelock, Brody Retallick over Alan Wynne-Jones any day of the week, wouldn't we? Are we? Is it just because we don't watch enough Northern Hemisphere rugby? Probably. It's probably, it's what, it's the Six Nations we see, generally speaking, just the Six Nations we focus on. Uh, but they play a lot of club rugby uh, as well, and uh, Alan Wynne-Jones amazing. Actually, the Springboks are going through a nervous time because uh, their inspirational captain, Sir Khaleesi, uh, he tested positive uh, for COVID-19 on just July the 11th. What are we now? Nine days. It's nine days ago. So at the weekend, that's going to be uh, less than two weeks. Yeah. Less than two weeks, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it is. Yeah. And um, so who you got? Who you got for this first test this weekend? Well, who have I got for the first test this weekend? I, I think uh, Warren Gatt will, will have the, the British and Irish Lions pretty fired up and pretty ready. Uh, I know they've had uh, a number of, it's been a genuine tour, they've had a number of midweek matches. They got rolled by South Africa A, who were very, very strong uh, at that point. So, uh, look, I, 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 I'm going to go, I'm going to go the Lions first up. I think South Africa get, will get better throughout the series, but I'm going to go for the Lions. Staff coming up shortly. The SENZ app. Download it today and never miss a moment of your favourite show. Streaming live anywhere, anytime. Anytime. He's the voice of sport in New Zealand. Superman! Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
Piece of advice for you, John Day. Don't get on a cab when you're in Wellington and ask to go to Lovelocks. It doesn't exist anymore. What? Well, it's called The Bond. It's in Bond Street. Oh, okay. Okay, right. free plug, and that is a great spot, to be fair. So don't ask for Lovelocks. All right. They might take you around the block. <laughs> yeah. Like Jack. In yeah. fact, uh, here we go. Uh, Foster, Ian Foster should have just ignored the talk of TJ. That's what uh, one of our texters is saying. Shouldn't even have bothered with it. I mean, you're the head coach. He's just uh, one of the players. So that's an interesting one, but that's not the way Ian Foster does things. Uh, Please, Smithy, no razor for the ABs. Nothing wrong with Fozzie. Let's sign him up right through. Cheers from Ken. So the text, uh, you've been fantastic folks. Thanks for joining our team, and I really do mean that here on SENZ. Uh, our team is uh, being bolstered all the time by heavyweights in the industry. We're getting stronger and stronger. We're We've got some great racing shows at the weekend, to be fair. Uh, at night, of course, you will have heard, if you listened last night after 7 o'clock, Ricardo Ball, what a professional he is. Uh, man, Manchester United fan, I think he's got a tattoo on his calf, Manchester United. I mean, that's devotion. I mean, it must have been certain times since he had that tattoo that he wanted to have it removed and perhaps covered up with a Spurs one. That would have been absolutely apt. Uh, and then, of course, uh, from five, uh, 4 o'clock this afternoon, you'll be able to listen to Stephen Donald, Sam, Sam will be with us, Sam and Steve at the moment. The two girls, of course, uh, Ricky and Kirsty, are on the ground in Tokyo, sending us back information from there. So uh, they will not be here for, what, two or three weeks? Uh, and then uh, I think they might have to operate out of quarantine. That'll be an interesting thing. As soon as they're back in New Zealand on terra firma, they will be here in the drive show. Uh, and, of course, 12 to 4. The man himself has just moseyed on into the studio, ready to kick me out of the seat. Uh, Mark Stafford, good day yesterday, first day. Happy with that? Yeah, good first day. Yeah. Good first day. Lots and lots of texts and not many phone calls. I'd love more phone calls because I'm all about a chat. Yep. <clears throat> and I want to hear the people's opinions. I don't just want to hear mine all day because I know what mine are. Right. Um, but we had the calls we got were really, really good. Um, and the fact that the, the length and breadth of the country was awesome. Right, okay. Well, we've had issues this morning to, that have been interesting. Mm. Uh, Ross Taylor? Kicking around, happy with that? Kicking around? Kicking around for a little bit longer, you know, not hanging up the whatever. I'm so happy yeah. about that. Yeah. I know I know. there's a lot of things about go out on top and, and um, you know, people like to go out on top and that was the perfect time to go out, a bit like BJ, but BJ announced that before they mm. were on top. But Ross has still got so much to offer and he loves the game and I made a comment the other day to someone that we all loved Ross Taylor, like I'm going to go back 10 years ago and you know, everyone loved him and then he dropped out of form and, and it coincided with losing captaincy and losing Martin Crow and, and all of those sort of things and then people started saying he shouldn't be in the team and all that sort of thing and then he found his form again and rose back to the top. And the second time you fall in love with someone, it's even stronger. Right. And he is a national treasure, an absolute national treasure. And uh, I'm so pleased you got him on. He's not, he's not big in the media, so we don't know much about him. So the fact you got him on and we could hear a bit about him was fantastic. We touched on uh, Laurel Hubbard. We're trying to educate myself and other people along the way on you know, the, the fact that Laurel Hubbard is abiding by the rules, has done everything according to the letter of the law to get to this point. Uh, so that, that's been an interesting debate, but still with the, the message I'm getting through on the text, et cetera, is no. It's absolutely no. Brendan Telfer was on, which is great to hear Telfer on, uh, advocate of her taking part. She's a woman, he said. She's a woman. Let her play. Let her play the game. Yeah, I'm sort of, it was a bit like the red card and attacking the ref or attacking the rule. I say attack the rule. Mm. You know, the ref did what he thought was right. Same with Laurel Hubbard. Don't attack Laurel Hubbard. Pass the criteria. Should she go to the games? 
Yes, because she could pass criteria. Should she go to the games? No, because the rules aren't strong enough. So the rules is your issue. Laurel Hubbard's not your issue. Okay. Wet, wet my appetite for this afternoon. What do you got? Any, any issue of note? Any issue of note? I do want to go into the TJ Perinara situation. Cool, cool. Because publicly, everyone's very supportive, but I've had privately people saying they're not. And it's like, why are people that are not publicly supporting something prepared to say it publicly, if you know what I mean? Mm. But they're prepared to support publicly. So it's just a psyche. Also got Sarah Hidini on, um, flag bearer for the Olympic Games. Got her on just before they leave for Tokyo. One of two. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. That's staff coming up after the news with Trudy. Hey, thanks for your company. Thanks, Brian, on keyboard. Things together behind the scenes. I give you a, I don't know, fairly generous six today. Fairly generous. I give Trudy ten. Absolute ten. Got some really interesting stories right now. See you tomorrow. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91.